folks. Welcome to the Music of the Spheres podcast. We are broadcasting tonight from somewhere deep in the hills of upstate New York. Wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, we thank you for being a part of our universe. We are two brothers, bivocational ministers, seekers of truth, and drinkers of yellow beer. And this is episode number 21. And uh, it's the first time uh, that we've, uh, we've recorded two episodes in a week, isn't it? Or have we done that before? Maybe I uh, we have. the yeah. I don't think so because the Thanksgiving one. Well, maybe the Thanksgiving one because we um did the regular podcast and then we had the, oh that's right the family uh, right. I, I but that's like a special episode right. It's like uh, yeah yeah because we right. just recorded like four days ago, three days ago. So this is great to be right back in the studio. That's so true. After. It's like I'm having deja vu. Yeah, yeah. It's like we were just here. <laughs> Four days ago. Yeah. Less than, <laughs> really. Uh, like, only two full days have gone by. That's true. That is true. Yeah. yeah. Leaving here on uh, last time we uh, uh, recorded, my car started sputtering. Uh, oh, no. Uh, upon oh, acceleration. No. So yeah. That's that was fun. I made it home. That's good. But then I didn't drive my car until this morning when I took it to the shop. Yeah. How did you do this morning? Doing any better? No. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing you got It's like it sometimes you're like, oh, yeah, we'll just like... Yeah, just like let it rest overnight. Right, right, right. I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> just jiggle the handle, <laughs> yeah. like a toilet. Yeah, it's like when something's wrong with yeah. your toilet. Just what the heck? My car is basically the a, a why, toilet. Why have we started talking <laughs> about toilet handles? You've never had to, uh, you know, the toilet starts running after you flush it and won't stop. People just tell you to like, yeah, just, just like jiggle, jiggle the, handle. the handle. No, you don't know jiggle the handle. Do you guys have perfectly working toilets in your house? Yeah, we actually do. Oh, oh wow! Never have to jiggle. Yep. No yep. jiggling in this house. Thank you <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, first off is the moon phase update. Yeah. All ah, right. Moon phases. Ah. So, today, uh, we are recording this on March the 29th. Um, yeah. And uh, it is, is pretty much uh, just a, um, it's the quarter moon. Yeah. It's what they've called it. The, uh, the first quarter. The half. Yeah. Yeah. It's like a... Man, Half moon, right? And so, yeah. so that's pretty cool. So this this is the transition between the um, the crescent and the gibbous. So, uh, and what it? I mean, I guess it's still uh, what's it? Uh, waxing still, even though it's halfway. Yes, yes. It's, it's it's like a stopping point, according to this chart. Anyway, it's like says waxing, waxing, waxing for days, and then it just stops and says first quarter for like two days. <laughs> So you know, waxing, waxing, waxing. Yeah. Now it's and then it's going to go back to waxing still, but instead of okay, today it's not. It's like taking a break. Yeah. It's wax. like this was hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's all this waxing. <laughs> it feels like it works at a detail shop, and uh, and then it's going to uh, then it's going to become a waxing gibbous uh, tomorrow. So we right. caught it on this is the first time we've caught it on a on a quarter. Yeah. Which is cool. So that's kind of fun. Um, and the moon is in the sign Cancer, and this is what it says about that. Hmm. When is it going to be in Gemini? Oh, I don't know. Well, I'm sure we'll get there at some point. Don't tell me. We were I, we actually it was it was in Cancer one on a recent episode, hmm. I think. So this may sound a little bit familiar. Your feeling of safety is now related to your home, family, and related activities such as cooking and gardening. Hmm. Um, not a lot of gardening in this part of the world right now, but it's uh, almost you're starting almost to there. starting to put some seeds. Uh, in yeah, the dirt, other day though, I actually right? checked on the garlics. Yeah, They're sprouting. Yeah, the, oh, yeah. yeah, the garlic plants. Yeah, we've gotten right tulips up. and. Uh, um, yeah. Whatnot are starting to, yeah, come out of the. Oh, that's yeah. So things are starting to come alive. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. Um, you may be prone to emotional fluctuations. 
You should learn to forgive and forget in order to avoid depression from thinking too much about things. Hmm. Your perception of the world can be very subjective. Try to create a certain distance without being bitter. Due to your rich emotional manifestation, you can create a real sense of belonging in the world. All right, so there you go. And uh, yeah, so the, so some, some of the organs that are influenced here are the stomach and the mucosa, the ovary, the lymph system, the breastbone. All right, so, uh, and surgical operations are not recommended during the waxing moon. In, uh, I don't know if that's in, in general cancer? or just now, because that's what it says. It's, it doesn't it doesn't specify that. So sorry if you're going for surgery right now. Mm. May the force not, be with uh, you. Yeah, not planned. No. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, so that's the moon phase. Thank you to AstroSeek for that. You can also find mm. all your uh, love compatibility about about your horoscope um, uh, at AstroSeek. Wait, what is the ovary again? It's a uh, part of the female reproductive system. <laughs> she, she says that she regrets asking me the question. Those uh, <laughs> those are very random. Like, I, there's not. Yeah, there's like the mu- mucus, right? Yeah, <laughs> breastbone. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. And then there's some other things I can't pronounce. Lymph. Yeah, yeah. the lymph lymph system. Right. I thought it was the lymphatic system. Are those two separate things? The lymph system and You're the lymphatic. You're asking the wrong. Uh, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have a brother that knows that stuff? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> so, moving right along to the mind of the middle schooler. How you doing over there? <laughs> so, I have a... Um, do you want to do your thing first? Or you want me to ask you a question first? Yeah, I'll, you know you... I'll start. <laughs> Anything to change the subject. <laughs> do you know what you want to talk about? Um, I decided I um this week I want to talk about colors. Oh, okay, cool. So not necessarily about like favorite colors and mm-hmm. stuff, but just about like colors in all, like. Everything has a color. Hmm. And, and like, even if it's like, <clears throat> like things like we'll say, like, this is not in color. This is black and gray. Yep. But black and gla- gray, like, can qualify as colors. Some people will argue that they're shades. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know if I agree with that or not. Um, but... I think they can both be colors and shades. I think shades are also colors. Because some people say that pink is a shade of red, which I, I agree with that. Pink is is a shade of red. Mm-hmm. And uh, pink is still a color. Like, we don't call pink a shade. Right. And there's, like, all the shades of blue. Those are still colors, not necessarily shades. Yeah. So, um... I think that, like, black and white and gray and those colors, I think they qualify as colors as well. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and, like, a lot of people say stuff like certain colors go with other colors, but really, like, when you see it in the rainbow, you know, like, all the colors go together. Yeah, So that's like, true. 
there's I don't believe in mismatching. I think that anything could match. Well, thank you for saying that because I've been wearing this pair of pants. <laughs> Your green one. Yeah, yeah. I see them right. I have them right on right now. Yeah. Um, but I also, for the brewery, I wear that green vest, but it's a totally different shade of green. So I've been walking around with like two shades of green and I'm worried if I, if I kind of look like they're, uh, well, the shades that can be like a family, right? Yeah. Like, so it's in the same family. If, See? if you you're go. like wearing like a pair of green shoes that are a different shade than your green pants that are a different shade of, of your green vest that are a different shade than your green shirt than a different shade than your green hat yeah. then that would actually kind of look cool right mm. see so i'm I like think, halfway to cool well, you're you're not like halfway <laughs> i don't think that's cool. quite what lila is i'm like the moon i'm at the first quarter of cool <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you, but i'm saying like like it, even if you don't have like all those different shades of green, like even two different shades of green mixed together can look cool. Yeah. Mm. Right. Well, your shirt that you're wearing is different shades of green. It's like a tie-dye shirt. Well, yeah, because so it's, it's tie-dye. Right, right, right. Well, do, it does uh, look cool. Do you want to know a fact that I know about black and white? What? If uh, if a zebra runs really fast, it turns gray. <laughs> nice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> or if he gets... Stuck in like a, a really large sized washing machine. Yes. Yeah. And it's on the spin cycle. It's like, oh, look at that gray zebra in yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> so you can only see a gray zebra if it's spinning really fast or running really fast. <laughs> it's on a roller coaster. What the zebra's heck? on a roller coaster at the oh theme park. They put their front legs up when they go down the hill. <laughs> I believe I told you not to make me laugh. Like, uh, front hooves, I think. Yeah, front hooves. Do they have hooves? I don't know. What are you? What do you think? I don't know. Are zebras Zebra? hoofed, hoofed, hoofed animals? They're like, well, they're yeah, they're like basically a form of a horse. Right. Yeah. Speaking of families. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Did right. you know? Uh, oh, sorry. No, 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 I was going to try to move us along there. Yeah. No, keep going. No. White. I don't know if we're supposed to say our last name. I don't know. Yeah. Well, well, I just did. But well, They didn't have to say it was our last name until you said it. All right. Well, then it wouldn't really make any sense why we were talking about it. But that's like all the colors. Oh. Did you know? What? Oh yeah, cause um, like, like just like a white light is made up of all of the colors right. together. Yeah, right. Super cool. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for sharing. Getting Finally us on the topic of, along now. of light <laughs> and colors, which actually ties in a little bit later, because I'm going to be talking about some some light. Right. Um, but anyway, uh, Lila, I, my question for you tonight is um, is this? It's a two part question. Yeah. Um, so I like the two you have heard, you know what a lesson is, right? Um, like yeah. sometimes you can you can have a lesson, like you have a, a yeah, flute I know lesson what a at school, lesson right? Is. Or a lesson in in a class at school. But what is a what is a life lesson? A life lesson is when you get a long, boring lecture that you don't listen to from your father. <laughs> Great, <laughs> exactly what I was hoping for. <laughs> How would you know it's a lesson if you weren't listening? <laughs> yeah. Because he's like, at the end, when when I'm finally ready to go, and I'm opening up my ears for that, all right, we're done talking, um, he goes, this is a life lesson that you need to remember. And I'm like... Uh, I say it just like yeah, that, No, too. it's not. I'm not going to remember it. I'm amazed you can close your ears yeah. and open them again. Yes, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing. a saying. It's amazing how the listening capacity can be altered. 
the ears um, of a middle schooler. Oh my gosh. Okay, so um, so have you ever had? So this is the second part of the question. So have you ever? I never finished my answer. Oh. Except I acted like I did. Okay. Well, what's? <laughs> oh, so so the first part of your answer was just that snide joke you made about me, and now you're going to actually answer. The question? Yeah. Okay, so what is a life lesson? Not the snide version of the answer this time, please. Um, a life lesson is when you do something bad, or, or not, and um, you get, like, a consequence or a reward from it, or, like, something for it in return, mm-hmm. and it, like, teaches you, like, especially with, especially with little kids, um, like people usually say, like, do stuff like if you finish your what if you like finish your dinner, I'll give you a cookie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, to help them like know that finishing their dinner is good. Right. Okay. Um. All right. I think I got off track there somewhere. Well, that's but, okay. No, that's a good um, answer. Like that's a good life answer. Life lesson is something that you learn and it will help you in future times. Something you learn that will help you in future times of your life, right? Okay, good. So then, uh, would you do you have an example from your life of a of a life lesson or a, a biggest learning that you've had in in your eleven years so far? Any anything? Most of those life lessons I did tune out, but um... <laughs> ah, yes, fathering extraordinaire <laughs> over here. I'll be learning life on my own. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, yeah, so anyway. Do you have anything? You don't have to if you don't want to share, but if you can think of anything. Hmm. No? Um, like, maybe when I got that huge scar on my forehead. Uh Yes. (laughs) Should I I tell the story? Don't tell the whole story. Just say you got a scar on your forehead. What did you learn, though? Did you learn something from it? I learned not to run down the aisle at church. <laughs> and I yeah. learned not to look back at the choir if I do find myself running down the aisle. Because that's how I got my head torn open on the corner of a church pew. Yep, yep. It's a life lesson there. And spent the emergency room through the whole service. Yep. Hmm. He's got some blood on the carpet. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Apparently, Dad found a blood stain, and they're still sitting there from like six years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be there until the carpet comes out. I think. Uh, all right. I am forever a part of the church. <laughs> yes, you are. Yeah. All right. Usually, we do it like baptism. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Bloodism. Yeah. So uh, that's great. Well, thank you for sharing that, Lila. Now everybody knows not to rush down the aisle. That's uh, it's a good it's life lesson. It's called running. Mm. Oh, oh, running. Actual physical running in the church. Yeah. Right, 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 right. Okay. I wasn't like fast walking or whatever you call rush. <laughs> like those ladies at the mall. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Were you carrying weights? <laughs> Did you have a fanny pack? <laughs> what the heck? So we're going to get a, an email from a, from a speed walker. going to be very upset with us for making fun of them, I think. Uh, oh, anyway, thank you, Lila, for sharing with us this evening on the mind of the middle schooler. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's time for you to go to bed. We started a few minutes late, all right? Have good sleep, so we'll talk to you soon. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, bye. So, Jay, how are you you doing this week? I'm good. Yeah? Yeah, Yeah, that's good. Yeah. You know... um, Bye. All right, good night, Lila. (laughs) Have a good night. All right, good night. I'll see you. 
<laughs> she was sign language me something. Oh. I was not picking it up. Yeah. So I'm sure that will come back to bite me. <laughs> I told you last night. Yes, because my ears were closed. <laughs> oh, that was fun. Yeah. Um, so t- you know what t- today is, right? Uh, March. Yeah. It's March. <laughs> so was yesterday. Wednesday. So was tomorrow. Uh, yeah, it's also Wednesday. <laughs> Yeah. Um, the podcast is of drinking age. Ah, yes, we we finally made to drinking age. Although I, apparently the podcast has been doing some underage drinking. I think. <laughs> <laughs> There's been beer on every episode, sometimes uh, spilled too. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, no, t- today is the eve of the beginning yeah, of the baseball season. Yeah, right. Yeah, yep. the uh, Major League Baseball regular yeah. season. Kicks is there a off. better uh, name for that than whatever you just said? That was a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, I was a little verbose with that. Yes. Baseball eve. I don't know. Yeah. Play ball Eve. ML Beave. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, that's like somebody's nickname. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm excited. You know, I got my Blue Jays hat on. There. I see. That was a Christmas gift oh, that yeah, you gave right. me, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's the, it's the gift that's keeping my head warm right now. So that's great. You. I'm sporting, yeah. sporting my Blue Jays. Yeah, because the beginning of baseball season is still, uh, there's a chill little, in the air. There's a little chill in the air. It's perfect for, for a Blue Jay beanie. Yeah, to be to be worn. So right. Yeah, I'm very excited about it. So, Lyle and I are going to uh, we're going to get some. I think we'll get some takeout food tomorrow, and then listen nice. to the ball game on our on our radio. Who they uh, face? There's they open the season in St. Louis against the Cardinals. Is the interleague game? Is the whole AL East inter? Because the Yankees are playing the Giants. Yeah, no, not the whole AL East. There's, <clears throat> I think there's a couple teams that are playing against in the same division, but. Yeah, but okay. the, I mean, the schedule is a little different this year, I think, mm. right? It's, isn't it like everybody plays everybody? They, um, yeah, they like switched it a couple years yeah. ago, right? Yeah, it's a, yeah. New, it's a different format, so yeah. which is cool. So every team plays every other team. So every every city will get to see all the other major league teams come nice. through at least once, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. So starting in St. Louis. So bartender um, that I sell, well, I don't sell beer to that bartender, but... Um, She's a big fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. Mm. And so she's like one of the few people I talk baseball with when I'm out in the trade. Oh, so, yeah. yeah. Yep. She's, uh, she loves, she loves the Cardinals. So, huh. um, hopefully, you know, yeah. It'll Never go been well. a fan of the Cardinals. No? Yeah. Like some, t- like some teams, I'll, well, most teams I just don't have any feelings about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the Cardinals, for some reason, I don't know what it is. Yeah. They were so good, like back when I was in high school. And yeah. I felt like yep. they were always winning. Yep. And, it was just not for me. Yep. <laughs> I know. That's the, that's the way it happens, you know, when your team is always being beaten by some other teams. You know, it's uh-huh. like, yeah. So I'm excited about that. And uh, because of that, my quote of the week has to do with baseball. Mm. Um, and uh, I looked up a, a quote about baseball I wanted to share with you and, um, and our listeners. Um, life's a lot like baseball. It's a... Uh, I don't, it doesn't say who wrote this, um, so I don't know if it's anonymous. I think in church one day, just... I, I read one of these things. Uh, life is a lot like golf. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Be... Oh no, it's Deborah Finneran. Deborah okay. Finneran uh, is a, a poet, and I'm reading from a, a website um, called Poetry Soup. Mm. And so this po this poet wrote this poem. Life's a lot like baseball. Life's a lot like baseball. Neither is a simple game. Each is filled with the stuff of life. Both so much the same, complete with hard work and training nearly every day. 
In each one learns to catch and throw and taking bases along the way. Everyone is a baseball player, whether on shortstop, in the dugout, or at the pitcher's mound. It doesn't really matter where we are, as long as we are team players dedicated all around. Sometimes we catch the balls, sometimes we may miss, but everything's A-OK as long as we try again, even if the crowd boos a hiss. <laughs> Every once in a while, when we're batting well, we may even hit a desired home run. Life seems so good. Such a celebration time filled with much laughter and fun. When we strike out, we need to remember not all is lost. We're still part of a great world team. If we are down on ourselves for not playing well, we just need to try again because the game is never as bad as it seems. When we are mad or disappointed with other players, we need to give them the benefit of the doubt they could be struggling with problems unseen. And we wouldn't want to wrongly shout, you're out. <laughs> Sometimes we might attend a game to encourage or watch others play. It could be family, friends, or anyone. We are there to encourage and inspire them on their way. Yes, life is a lot like baseball with its seasons, players, and teams ever-changing as it's always been. Remember, though, we're all in this together to support, to cheer, to win. There you go. Life's a lot like baseball mm. by Deborah Finneran on PoetrySoup.com. Hmm. It's a little ode to the MLB season. Let's go, Blue Jays. <laughs> there you go. Um, do you have uh, do you have any updates from any listeners that you've talked to out in the world? I don't have. We don't have an email this week, um, but that's right. just because there's like nine people out there who just are working on emails that haven't sent them yet. I'm certain of it. I yeah, I, I know. I, no, I think that's coming. true. I mean, other than the the text messages, I still have from the same same ones from some of our. <laughs> I mean, they're all about the earliest episodes because yeah. that's where that's where she is in the uh, oh okay, okay in the journey. Oh, so that's all right. You know, well, yeah. I got a, I got a text message today from uh from from someone that said latest episode is the best one yet. Love the topic, and I that was in reference to the one that we just recorded on Sunday. Oh, your uh, your part two of the um, Nature Fix book stuff. Oh, great! Go. Yeah, yeah. Right. So love the topic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. So it's uh, it's a friend of mine, um, and he sent me that text today. To say, you know, good job, bro. Great. And I had a fantastic conversation last night with um, one of the instructors at the yoga studio. Okay. And um, and. Uh, we were talking, and um, she was asking about because I was saying we were recording, you know, tonight and whatever. And she mm -hmm. asked how that's how it's all going, and I was talking about your topic that we've been in, and I'm talking about my topic. And she's like, "Oh, we got to talk. This is so cool." And I said, "Well, you should be a guest on the show sometime." Oh you know? yeah. But sure. actually, the way that that came about is, you know, I said, "Well, sometimes we, we we miss a week because different things here and there, you know, and and it's like it's hard to you know make sure we're getting something out every week." And so she said, "Well, you know what you should do on that if there's a week where you." As brothers can't be together, you know, because you can't in your schedules or whatever, then you should have an interview that night. And I said, how about we interview you? <laughs> and, uh, and so she was kind of like, oh, I don't know, but yeah, all right, maybe. Yeah, okay, <laughs> good. Let's do it. So, uh, yeah. So hopefully. Nice. You know, maybe we should do that sometime. Have yeah. An interview or or even just a guest, you know, we can, we can, you know, Skype them in or Zoom them in or whatever. Yeah. And, and uh, interview somebody that way. That might be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be really so, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, anyway, 
So I had some good conversations about the podcast and nice. stuff like that. No official communications, though. But if you would like to provide us with yeah. such fodder for the episode, then you can email us, brothers at musicofthespherespodcast.com. And uh, let us know what you're thinking. Respond to something that we said. Um, you know, if you're a, uh, a power walker, we're sorry about what we said before. <laughs> <laughs> if you would like to correct things that we've said wrong, um, if your name is Deborah Finnerin and you would have liked me to have gotten permission before I read your poem on our podcast, uh, any of those mm. things, just let us know. Yeah. <laughs> It'd be great. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I just kind of like uh, blasted through all that stuff. Uh, mm. I wanted to read my baseball. I'm just kind of excited about baseball right now. Yeah. I heard the uh, the commissioner on the Dan Patrick show this morning. Oh yeah, the, the commissioner was on Manfred. There. Yep, yep. Which is Robert. <laughs> the funniest last name yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. It's <laughs> just very funny to me. Yeah, <laughs> Manfred. Yeah. Yep. But he said something really I, that I really liked because he was talking about the shift. You yeah. Know, which was, oh right, they took the shift away. It's like my least favorite thing. Yeah, yeah. Like other sports have places where. The athletes have to be. They have to start in a certain spot. Yeah. In, every, in almost every other sport. You can't <laughs> right, be yeah. off sides or you can't yeah. be, you know, in the neutral zone. Right. Or you can't be, you know, it's like, yeah, yeah. And so the change back to like what I, how I started watching baseball it was like, mm-hmm. you know, two guys on either side yeah. of second base. Yeah. It was just yeah. like. And they have to be part in the of dirt the, too. I like that. Oh, they have to be in the dirt too. To yeah. Be, on the dirt and on either side of second base. It's part of yeah. like the beauty of the game. I mean, that's why it's so fun watching a live baseball game because mm-hmm. the ball is hitting a play and all this it's like beautiful motion happens right like right yeah and the shift just kind of i don't know yeah like took that away it did it's like yeah. this, is, this is it's like a bunch of guys doing whatever they want out there yeah like, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> this is chaos yeah i mean i know now they're moving like outfielders places they're right finding loopholes but oh sure sure but uh but i even like the idea of okay you can move anywhere you want after the pitch is thrown Right, mm-hmm. that's still a rule, right? You just have to be there as the pitch leaves the p- pitcher's hand. Right. So you can you could still try to get to your shift spot if yeah, you want right. to. Yeah. And how cool would that be if you run away, you know, from the spot uh-huh. and then the ball goes to right where you were? Yeah. You're like, yeah, right. take that. <laughs> you know, I just yeah, I think it's cool. I like yeah. it. Yeah. This is reminding me of the first podcast I ever did called Minor Leagues. Yeah. Yeah, I think there was one episode. Nice, nice. And we talked about baseball. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we talk about baseball every now and then. We were broadcasting during the World Series, during one of the World Series games. Remember, we were watching it. That's right. And we were giving live updates on yeah, a podcast. Live updates on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Some people are still listening to that uh-huh. like, episode. Right yeah, now. <laughs> let's give uh, let's give some uh, betting odds yeah. here yeah. for the first day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like the opposite of what you want. You want odds that are, you know, from the future coming into the past, right, yeah. not from the past yeah. into the future. Someone listening in May is like, yeah. oh, yeah, great. Thanks for these odds <laughs> on March 29th. <laughs> this is what you should have bet on. Uh, it's great. <clears throat> All right. Uh, anything anything from the social medias before I go grab our beer for the evening? Uh, yeah, you can find us on Facebook, of course, Instagram. Uh, we're always... Uh, well, we've been a little uh, absent these last few weeks, but uh, that's life, right? Rolling with the punches. And uh, we're getting back on track now. Two episodes this week. So, um, oh, I don't think I took a picture of uh, of our last episode with the, uh, with the Keystone out. Um, oh, yeah. Might have to do like a... If there's a, if there's well, you, a pan, yeah, I left them here. Right? You left them so, here, so yeah. there's still a couple. Yeah, we'll have to, yeah. have to do a double... A double photo here. Oh yeah, nice on, on the gram, so people can Beautiful. check in. Beautiful. Yeah. 
All right. So oh. one of our one of our more recent ones was Bush. Uh Red for the mountains of Bush. So tonight I brought Beer. you Bush Light. Mm. Why have Bush when you can drink Bush Light? Is the great the great question that many have asked. Yeah. And then answered by drinking this beer. So so you have Bush Light before you. Do you notice that I can't remember the other can because those are all gone now because they were so delicious they disappeared. Um, but do you remember uh, what the other one looked like? It's this. I mean, the, the background's the same. It's that mountain scene, right? Yeah. So this is the. This is that is a re- the, uh, are those the the Tetons? What? I, what is I, it I don't know. <laughs> it can't be. It can't be the Rockies because I think Coors owns the Rockies. Um, so you can't. <laughs> they own them. <laughs> they just yeah. like the, they have yeah. the mountains are there. Like so. a little flag yeah. in the. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, don't drink this beer unless the can is blue. Yeah, yeah. And so every other brewery just makes blue cans now. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this is a 4.1% alcohol by volume. It is uh, 95 carbs. All right. So, yeah, it's right in okay. that it's right in that neighborhood of all of the other. They're going for know. that. Uh, it's a health drink. Well, I mean, they were that they were that before, you know, that's, right. the, that's uh, the funny yeah, thing sure. about the whole like, you know, Mick Ultra and saying it's their starting to say the calories these other beers were already at those calorie levels right. you know they just it's all like branding and marketing they just, yeah they just yeah. didn't say it yeah except for where they have to say it on the can <laughs> you know right um but uh but yeah so here you go um and i think in the theme song they just add the word light like yeah. it's still the same instead of bush beer i think it's still it's bush light beer i think they just add like <laughs> they a, just add a word into it an extra <laughs> word into it um but it's still one of the i mean i can't think of a theme song for yeah. for coors there was a there was a coors commercial with a train love tra- love train is that a song love train a love train Love train, and then like the cans were like getting because they were going to the mountains, so I think oh. like, the cans were getting colder, okay, turning blue, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But I can't think of other of other beers that have like a song right attached to it, a Miller song. It's Miller time, but yeah, that's just a slogan. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to think of other songs. I mean, there's the um, the frogs. Or the toads, is it Bud, Budweiser, the Budweiser. Yeah, no, it's I, not really a song. They don't really have. Do they have a song? Yeah, no. Head for the mountains, of Bush. Though everybody knows that one. Man, that's great, yeah. right? Yeah, I don't know who wrote that, but genius. Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, all right, so you're gonna crack it open on the Bush website. Uh, the the slogan that they have there is the sound of refreshment. <laughs> so I think you just you know it's perfect beer for a podcast because <laughs> you can't see it or taste it. Yeah, but you can hear it. Yep. I'm going to listen to this refreshment. Mm. Oh, yeah. Ah, yeah. Did you hear that? I'm more refreshed than ever. Do you ever. want a glass or not? You're just going to take it right from I've the I've got vessel. this camp chair. Oh, that's right. So, you got, I, I so got you might cup as well drink it right here. I, don't think I can't, fit the, can't yeah. fit the little glass in my cup holder. I wonder if they can hear the refreshment as I pour the, the bubbles out. Here. Mm. Oh, and then the fizz. And this is the first time we've had uh, had two beers so close back to back. Like I can almost remember the Keystone from right, right. a few yeah. days ago. <clears throat> well, that one, I mean, I don't know what this says, but that one was very, um, it, it listed the ingredients and it made a point to talk about um, using kind of a sweetness. Corn syrup. Yeah. Corn syrup. And, and you could taste like there was like a, a, another kind of character coming through from that. Yeah. 
that you wouldn't get in an all malt beer. This is definitely not as. But this doesn't sweet. say anything. Doesn't say anything about it. And it's only four point one percent alcohol, so that's even less than like a Miller Lite. You can see right through that glass too. It's mm-hmm. like a... Yeah, it's like it's even it's lighter than apple juice. Yeah, and you couldn't even fake. You yeah. couldn't even say that's apple juice. Yeah, and it's got <laughs> it's got acetaldehyde, which is the green the apple green flavor. apple. Do you get that? Yeah. I mean, that's that's common in in some light lagers. It's not a you know, it's not uncommon that it's present. Some people don't mind it. Some people consider it an off flavor. Some people consider it to not be in this style. You wouldn't want acetaldehyde in a brown ale or a pale ale or something. But sometimes in light lagers, you get a little bit. But it's definitely present. Does that happen in the fermentation? Or? Yeah, it's, it's just a byproduct of the lager yeast. The, oh, okay. the way that the lager ferments, it gives off this acetaldehyde. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's based on the strain, uh, uh, that yeast, and then the fermentation schedule and temperature yeah. and all that stuff. So certain lager strains won't produce as much of it. Okay. You know, others will. Sometimes it depends on different timing in the fermentation or if you're at a different temperature, it'll come through. Yeah. But it's definitely present here. Yeah. It's also, I mean, looking at, at it in your glass, like, I don't see many, bo- it's not very effervescent. Really. Right. Well, that's the way that I poured it. I was pouring it for audio effect, so I just went straight into oh. the glass. You really think it would be different if you poured it differently? Yeah, though? probably. Probably. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's more in the fridge, so we can try with the second one, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, yeah, it looks like juice. It's so weird. Yeah. And it's very... It finishes very sweet. I don't know if you are you noticing that, or is it just my palate? But it finishes really sweet. Hmm. It doesn't have like some of the some of these light beers that we've done have that crisp, mm-hmm. like almost almost where you can taste the hop character. Not like an IPA or a pale ale, but you can taste yeah. a little hop character from it, like a just a just a slight crispness at the end. Right. This doesn't have that at all. It's very sweet, very mm-hmm. mild at, at the at the finish. Yeah, just so mild. Um, yeah, like even I thought Keystone Light would be yeah, pretty. Or was that that wasn't light? Was it? No, that was just regular. Just Keystone. regular Keystone. Yeah. So now you know what you can do next time. <laughs> you can go for the light. <laughs> oh, I know what I'm bringing next time. Oh, you are. You know. Oh, yeah. yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Well, Bush makes a, a beer called Red Apple. Bush Red Apple. Oh yeah. 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 And I wonder if they're like, well, it already's got acetaldehyde in it. Let's just put apples in there too, because <laughs> it already tastes like green ones. Let's put red ones in. Yeah. I've had a couple apple beers. It's not, yeah, it's not as strange as you would think it would be. Right. <laughs> I I just get confused because it's like, okay, it's beer with apple in it, um, you know. But then why not just have a cider? Right. You know, they make hard yeah. cider, which is just like okay. It's kind of cider that tastes more like food. It's kind of how I would describe it because it beer. has all like the. The beer things happening, <laughs> yeah, which like, kind of makes it taste like apples with right. some bread. Right, right, right. It's like it's like a <laughs> breakfast cereal that has those like dehydrated apples in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I get haven't some, had it. Get some like oats and yeah. uh, grain in there. Yeah. Does it pour yellow? Can we have it on the show, or is it um, pour red? The one I've had is, I don't know. I've yeah. only ever had it out of the can. Yeah, yeah. All right. So bush light, very very sweet in the finish, very very mild, very mm-hmm. gentle. Only 4.1% and 95 carbs. So there you go. Yeah. If you need something for around the campfire, there you go. That's an option. Yep. I would probably choose something else. <laughs> I would probably too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I would go. I The Bush Heavy was, I thought was 
not bad actually. Yeah. I think I remember liking that a little bit more. I kind of like a lot of a lot of the non-light yep. yellows that we've had. Yeah, like, yeah. Kind of pleasantly surprised. Yeah, those high life ponies you poured all over the carpet. You, <laughs> <laughs> you're so excited about those. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right. Well, there you, um, that'll that'll conclude uh, episode number 21's first segment <laughs> totally screwed that up yeah, and I was you, wondering. you were right there to that's all we're going to talk about tonight have a great week <laughs> concludes the first segment of episode 21 yeah well the the episode is 21 so yeah, it's just yeah. finding its footing in a, <laughs> the adult beverage world yeah yep <laughs> just asking for where's the jw dundee honey brown <laughs> Oh my gosh! Yeah, <laughs> that stuff used to be all over the house. Yeah, and, I mean not in a bad way. Right, right. Well, who doesn't want Honey Brown when they, yeah. you know? Oh yeah, Ma- that used, used to be Mom's favorite. First right? buy beer legally. Well, that was Mom's favorite. Oh, too, it was Mom's? I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, we should get her some Honey Brown just for old times' sake. Yeah, yeah. Sounds good. Yeah, get Dad some Milwaukee's best. Yep. They can have a little trip down memory lane. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> The beer? Well, yeah, they call they call Milwaukee's best beast. Oh yeah, yeah. So uh, and then J.W. Dundee Honey Brown sounds sounds very beautiful. The Beauty and the Beast. It's just a, I'm, uh, marketing. That's all. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Send them a note. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was like a bar could you know put three cans of each in a bucket with yeah. ice and call it Beauty and the Beast night. You know, yeah. there you go. Do you get commission on an idea like that? Uh, nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Maybe yeah. Maybe it's not worth it. Yeah, I don't think so. All right, um, we're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back here on the Music of the Spheres podcast. Music of the Spheres podcast. We are entering segment two here on episode number 21. And uh, I'll be sharing a topic this evening, and we're picking up uh, where I left off in episode number 19. If you recall, I was uh, sharing a book from Dr. Kenneth Ring called, um, oh, now I've forgotten what the book's called. Oh, no, Lessons from the Light. Lessons from the Light. It's all about near death experiences. Right. And uh, so we went through some of the. Um, I don't know if you remember this, Jason, but we went through some of the uh, some of the common characteristics. It was kind of laying the groundwork for what the near death experience is, um, and you know, I think by the end of that episode uh, or that presentation, you were able to see, like, n- you know, not only is it 
um, common amongst a lot of people that have had uh, experiences like that, right? That they have some sort of a, an accident or a, an illness or whatever, and they come close to death and, and you know, have an experience. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that have experienced it. But also, he was really trying to show the commonalities and the sort of common threads that are woven through all of those experiences that, you know, a lot of times they follow a very similar trajectory as far as the way that the experience progresses. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a lot of common uh, attributes to the experience. And, you know, so it's something that's, you know, it's not just, uh, you know, not just people having weird dreams, you know, when these things happen or, you know, brains misfiring is he's trying to make the case that, you know, there's something else happening here because it's, you know, there's such a a common, you know, report coming from, you know, so many different people in different, you know, ages and different walks of life and different cultures and, you know, different backgrounds and, Mm -hmm. you know, reporting all these similarities in this near-death experience. So that's kind of where we, where we left off. Um, Yeah, recap. Yeah, yeah. So there's your there's your recap, right? And and you know we talked about how we 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 even went as far as saying that these um, near death experiences have an effect on the experiencer that they you know mm-hmm. that they have a, a lasting effect that you know changes their life. You know, for the most part, it's for the better. Sometimes you know there are challenges that come with you know having this experience, but for the most part, you know it, it impacts people in a in a positive way. Right. Right. Um, things like, you know, they become less competitive. They're not afraid of dying anymore. Mm-hmm. They're more, you know, engaged in their relationships. Uh, you know, sometimes they have uh, other gifts that come out of it, you know, and mm-hmm. things like that. So that's kind of where we where we left off. So where we're going tonight is that we're um, we're going to start to look at a, a very particular part of the near-death experience. So remember, the near-death experience has different kind of phases, you know, yeah. that it would go through. Um, and people report different different things and different interactions with sometimes it's, you know, there's beings that people sense or an entity of some sort that people sense, or sometimes they just call it the light, you know, different things like that. Um, but we're going to focus on a particular part of the near-death experience tonight, and that is the life review so All it's, right. you know, that classic saying people say, oh, my, my life flashed before my eyes, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, of course, when they yeah. almost miss, miss catching that baseball, you know, it's a, the joke, ah, my life flashed before my uh-huh. eyes, you know, or, or they have a, a near miss in a car or something like that or whatever. Right. It's a common phrase that's just sort of a colloquialism that we have in our society, but it's, it's actually sounds like it's rooted in you know, people having these experiences over the ages and it being, you know, coming sort of into the lexicon as something that is, you know, it stems from something actual. Right. Right. Um, So that's the life review. And so we're going to hear a couple of different experiences of what that life review is like. And and again, he's going to show the life review itself has some commonalities. Because remember, this this guy, Dr. Kenneth Ring, he's studied this for years. Right. He says he began his research on NDEs in 1977. And this book was written in the mid to late 2000s, I think. Okay. Is when he wrote this book. Or it might have even been a little later than that. So, you know, he's been at it for, you know, 40 something years when he wrote this book. Um, and he's still, he's still alive, still working on this stuff. So he's been at it for a long time. He's, he's interviewed a lot of people. He studied a lot of people. He's sort of cataloged, 
these experiences to where he can draw out like this is how the life review works just kind of neat so that's what we're going to look at today nice um and so we're going to begin with a, a very classic example um for some reason the life review um and near death experience is is more often associated in the general population with drowning victims or near drowning victims, obviously, because the near death experience, you have to not die. So you yeah. come back and tell about it. But um, for some reason, it's <laughs> right. like, you know, people that are, you know, suffering from nearly, nearly dying in a, in a drowning incident of some sort, that that's where the people generally associate, you know, the life review and the stuff like that. Okay. But, um, but it happens across all things. So he gives an example first of, of a drowning one. Um, so uh, he says, for instance, one young man who had nearly drowned in a boating accident told me this. It was amazing. I could see in the back of my head an array, just an innumerable array of thoughts, memories, things I had dreamt, just in general thoughts and recollections of the past just raced in front of me in less than 30 seconds. All these things about my mother and grandmother and my brothers and these dreams I've had, I felt like this frame millions of frames just flashed through it was thoughts and images of people and a lot of thoughts just raced he snaps his fingers uh, several times in split seconds i had my eyes closed underwater but i could still see those images just silly things just nitpicking things i thought i had forgotten just kept on racing through it was like i was going through this memory and like my whole memory was retaping. It was in reverse and everything was backtracking so I could go over it again like a tape recorder. So that's sort of a, a classic example. And yeah. you can hear it's kind of like, you know, this these are from audio recordings that he takes when he's interviewing these people. So okay. he actually puts the the uh the actual words that they're speaking. So right. that's why it kind of sounds like he's just this guy's just randomly uh -huh. rambling through this thing. Um and uh, so then there's another um, example that this is from somebody who was not in a, a drowning incident. It was something, I think it was an illness maybe, um, or maybe it says in here, but it's something different. So he says, you know, for some reason people have, you know, associated it with drowning, but it's not always that. It's, it's, it happens the same way in any near-death experience pretty yeah. much. And this is another example. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, this was not drowning. This person survived a plunge from an airplane flying at 3,500 feet with a, with a failed parachute. So he was skydiving. Sounds like a skydiving incident. Um, I don't actually know how you survived that, but <laughs> he did. Okay. Enough to be able to... Yeah, I don't know how anyone would survive that. Tell Dr. Kenneth Ring how he survived a 3,500-foot fall. Um, he said this. It's like a picture runs in front of your eyes, like from the time you can remember up to the time you know what was happening. That's the present moment. It seems like pictures of your life just flow in front of your eyes. The things you used to do when you were small and stuff, stupid things, like you see your parents' faces. It was everything. And things that I didn't remember that I did. Things that I couldn't remember now but I remember two years ago or something. It all came back to me. Like it refreshed my mind of everything I used to do when I was little. Like I used to ask my friends, remember this, remember that? And I say, wow, that was a long time ago. I don't even remember that. Everything refreshed my mind of everything. 
It was like a picture. It was like a movie camera running across your eyes. In a matter of a second or two, just boom, boom, boom. It was clear as day, clear as day. It was very fast, and you can see everything. So um, so those are just a couple examples. Um, and so then he takes these studies, and he breaks them down into different features of the near-death experience. Um, and his idea is, you know, he just wants to... Um, why that because what he's driving at is how does this how does this near uh the near-death experience changes people mm-hmm. he's honing in on the life review as a particular important piece of it right so the the life review he's really tr- trying to drive at how does this change the person coming out of it right? right and so he's trying to say all right well here's the things that are common to all of the experiences of the life review in the near-death experience. Feature number one. Frequently, you are not merely reviewing your life, but actually reliving it. So mm-hmm. it's not, you know, in, in, not in all cases, but in many cases, there's a sense that it's, a lot of the descriptions are that it's like a screen, like you heard that, like, it, you know, they said like screens or frames, you know, are sort of flashing through. Yeah. Um, but it's a deeper experience than being a passive observer. You're not just watching, a, you know, a, a show or a film, you know, or, or a reel go by or something like that. There's, a, there's an aspect of actually experiencing all of those scenes, you know. Right. So, not, so this is what, um, this was, uh, what Neve, who was one of the near-death experiencers we heard about in the first part of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. This is what he said. I look at it now. And I see the life review as life. Physically, I wasn't there, but it felt like I was reliving my entire life. It felt like I went through it all and did it exactly the same way, but understood differently. You know, it was just like living. <laughs> so, you know, for, from his experience of it, it, was, it felt like all the feelings and everything and all of the interactions were actually there in this right. whole thing but but he um but it all happened at once right okay, yeah and um in this you know short time yeah, frame of blink of an eye. yeah because yeah. he was the one i don't know if you remember if i told that story completely or not he was the one who was in a really bad collision on the baseball field that's when we're talking about baseball he was it was a collision at first base um and when he was in high school maybe or middle school or something like that um and uh yeah it really like he had, he almost died, obviously, because it was a near death experience from mm. from that collision. Wow. Um, so that's the first part, the the first feature. The second feature is that you re experience everything. Um, so it's not just uh, it's not just certain bits of your life. It's like everything, which also is kind of fascinating and mind blowing because most of these people are having these experiences for no more than like 90 seconds usually, right. you know? Yeah. Cause you can't like be near dead for long, right? <laughs> like in, in our time, you can't be near yeah. dead for very long. Cause then you, you, you know, then you become actual dead. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it, in, in our, in our time frame, it's, you know, it, it's just a few seconds, yeah. but, but here there's, so listen to this one. Um, one endy ear, has insisted on this point with great emphasis. It's the researcher and writer PMH Atwater. Um, 
she wrote this in her first book on NDEs. For me, it was a total reliving of every thought I ever had, every word I had ever spoken, and every deed I had ever done. No detail was left out. No slip of the tongue or slur was missed, right? Like, <laughs> that's like, and when you hear that, it's like, that's a little scary, right? Like, yeah. you know, like, I don't, you know, I don't want to be confronted with all those screw ups I had. Some of this stuff can <laughs> just be left in the past. Man, yeah. yeah right. like... Well, we'll come, we'll come to that, right? But, but it's like, you know, you think about it, like, we all, every single one of us has those thoughts that we, you know, we're like, oh, that's not very nice. <laughs> you know? like, when you think something you know, like really nasty about somebody, you're like, oh, don't be a jerk, you know? Yeah. And, and you're like, oh. and then you, you, you don't ever act on it or say anything or do anything, but it's still a thought you had, you right. know? Like, but I'd really like to punch that person. <laughs> you know, or other things like that, right? But then the thought that you have to re- review every one of those at some point, you know? Right. Yeah. A little scary. Um, so, uh, so it's a complete re-experiencing of everything, you know, uh, yeah. is another feature. So that's the second feature. This is now feature number three. You see it all at once, but also chronologically, right? So the, so the idea there is, um, is that you, you heard them describing that it's something where you, you relive, right? Or you mm-hmm. re-experience this stuff. But the one guy said he was going backwards, right? Like he was going back through his life to being a child. Yeah. And another one was like, just it sounded like it was going in normal life order, you know, like reliving things yeah. and then growing up or whatever. Um, it, the idea here is that it's, there's a, there's a chronology to it, but it, it, it's something where you see the whole thing all at once, the complete picture of your whole life. You, it's there, right? But you're just, you, you can sort of, jump in at any point or go in any direction through it, right? It's all there, right. yeah, yeah. but it, you know, so it's like, there was actually, I didn't put it in here in the book, but it was like, he described, you know, like if you're driving on a curvy road that you've never been on before, right? You don't know what the curves are coming up, right? You just drive them in your car and you take them, whatever. But now if you imagine being a thousand feet above and looking down, you can see the whole road, Right. You know, and then the car where you are, but you can see the whole road. And it's, it's kind of like that, right? You can see the whole journey, but, you know, you can sort of imagine the car at any point on that road. That's sure. kind of the analogy. Okay. But anyway, um, because of this, uh, he he has this description that he's noticed in multiple NDEs of what he calls the holographic domain. That, that the, the way that this is projected to people is almost like a hologram, right? Okay. Because it's like... Things that they can witness and jump into and view like it's a movie, but then you can participate in it. And it's like this, you know, thousand foot view of your life. Mm-hmm. Um, the narrative of the NDE tends to imply a sequence of sorts through time, but it is important not to confuse the experience itself with its description. Most stories depend upon a continuum of time, past, present, future, but the NDE is more like an encounter with a holographic domain in which all information is compacted into an omnipresent unity. Hmm. Right? So it's a holographic domain where all your life information is just there in this sort of, he says, an omnipresent unity, but it's just this, you know, it's all there. And then I think it was right after that he went into the, the road description. Okay. Um, so here's a, a description of this what it was like for someone to experience the holographic realm. This is a person called Nell. 
um, Nell had both a childhood NDE at 13 months and a second one when she was 38. As she puts it, with regard to the question of time, everything happened instantaneously. The whole thing happened all at once, but we were bound by the restraints of language. It's like an explosion. It's all there. When my life went before my eyes, it was not from my earliest memory at 13 months. There was an enormous TV screen in front of me. Way over to the left was my memory at 13 months. And way over to the right was July 1972, age 38. Everything in between was right there, and I could see the whole thing all at the same instant. <laughs> How cool is that, right? Wow. You see your whole whole life. So she's looking at it from 13 months mm-hmm. to age 38 you know she sees the whole thing and it's all like right there and now it's in an order right because she said left to right on this she described it as a tv screen but even she said at the beginning of it she's like it's it's difficult because i have to condense this down into language to try to communicate it right here when she comes back and talks to this dr kenneth ring she's she's got to condense it into english so that she can communicate it it's (laughs) like but it's an experience that's bigger than than those words you know and so there's not words for this stuff so he ends up with something like the omnipresent unity of a holographic domain (laughs) you know it's like those are the words you get you know when this stuff happens so Uh, and it's not only in one direction in time it's sometimes you get not just a life review but you get a life preview Hmm. of you know like many of these cases if you remember from the first um episode that we did on this there were times when the the person experiencing this had a choice right they were Mm -hmm. like do you want to come to the light or do you want to go back right you know and you know they or sometimes they were sort of nudged in one direction where it'd be like you kind of should go back because, yeah. you know, there's things you got to do or there's somebody that needs you or something like that, you know, like, mm-hmm. or you haven't learned your life lesson yet because <laughs> you keep closing your ears when your wise father is talking to you <laughs> with, with great amounts of wisdom. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, there's, um, there are life previews that happen sometimes. Um, and this is where people are given something that they can take back and live out. So this is a, another, that that, uh, that same person, Nell, who we were talking about a moment ago. Um, at that moment, there was a second TV screen. So now she has a TV screen of like her life up to the point of her NDE, mm-hmm. her second NDE. And then she has another TV screen, which was just as big as the first. It showed me glimpses of what was to come. It showed me that I would have a prolonged period of physical pain for myself. It showed me that members of my family would suffer physical pain. It showed me that my sister-in-law would die prematurely, and she did. I saw a very rocky road. The presence, who was with her the whole time, said, You will go back and hold your family together. You will be its cement. So, in mm. you know, in this moment, she's actually like, well, this life looks like it's going to suck the rest of the way. You know? <laughs> right, right, like right. Everything, you know, all these bad things are going to happen, like, to me and family and stuff. Um, but this presence, who is, you know, a part of her NDE experience, actually spoke to her and said, um, this family's going to need some glue that's going to hold them together. So that's going to yeah. be you, right? So yeah. um, very interesting stuff there. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was feature three. Okay. Feature number four kind of hints off of what Nell was getting at. You have to describe it in metaphor, right? Because you can't, 
You know, mm-hmm. you don't have the language for it. Right. So you have to describe it in metaphor. One one metaphor was that um, it's kind of like an editing room. Um, so uh, if one uses the metaphor of of the videotape, for example, hmm. one might say that ND ears claim that they can do the equivalent of editing, fast forwarding, freeze framing, zooming, and even under s- some circumstances, deleting certain frames completely. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. It's like those. Yeah. That 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 bad thought you had. You know. And you're like that's not who I am. You know. <laughs> you can delete it. He's <laughs> like, I take that one out, you know. So, yeah. um, so it's like an uh, it's like an editing room, and so there's an example of of a fast forward, and this is that guy Neve who had the baseball field collision accident. Okay. Um, when I stop to think of scenes or things that I remember, it seems like I can stop, and if I want to pick something out, I just kind of think about it, and then everything comes back to me, and I can remember the whole thing. I'm wanting to say that it ran through that way the whole life. And certain things that I had the most questions about and I needed to understand the most stuck out more. So it's almost like, you know, he's like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. This was just, that was, uh, you know, that was 11th grade. It was really boring. I'm going to skip that, you know. But, <laughs> but the, you know, 8th grade, boy, that was a crazy year. I'm going to take a look at that, you know. Right, I mean, yeah. like, um, you know, so you can kind of fast forward or move back and forth. And when something, you know, is really meaningful to you, and, and in some of these cases, it's like, you know, when somebody, when somebody really screwed up, you know, or, right. or did something that, you know, really hurt another person, right? They spend more time on that because they're like, well, what was, you know, what was that about? How how did that happen that way? And and you know, what could what could come of it? Then um, there's even parts that can be erased, as I hinted at. Right. Uh, another woman commented that after her life review was over, uh, her light beings, some, sometimes they call them light beings, or the, you know, the entities that they encounter in these experiences, her light beings spared me from suffering any great pain I was feeling during my life review by removing that experience from my memory. However, she made it clear that though the sense of suffering itself was taken away, the specific information she learned during her life review and the lessons it had taught her remained intact. Hmm. So how cool is that then, right? Yeah. Like if you get into the space, it's like, oh, that's a terrible memory, but I was such a better person after that, you know? Yep. We all have that in our lives. You know? We all have mistakes that we've made mm-hmm. that we've that we've learned from. I mean, even Lila was talking about it. You know, when I asked her, like, you know, what's what's a life lesson and how do you how do you learn it? Mm-hmm. And she, you know, she said, oh, it's when you, when you make a mistake and, you know, and you learn and you grow. And yeah. so this is saying like those painful mistakes, because a lot of times, you know, we've learned something from it, but we also really regret whatever it was. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's painful for you to, or it's, or it's a trauma. You know, we know about that too. We've talked mm-hmm. about that on this, on this show that people experience traumas in their life and maybe they, maybe they have silver linings to them. You know, of, of making them a person who's maybe more compassionate or understanding, right. or maybe they're a person who's experienced a trauma and then that it, it turns their life towards, you know, helping others who've experienced similar things, right? We've all heard yeah. stories of that. Um, and so it sounds like in this, those memories can actually, the, the pain, the actual raw pain itself um, and the trauma itself can be healed or removed or somehow taken out without losing whatever the positive effects were and the information and the learning that that person gained through the experience. Yeah. Which is like the best of both worlds, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So that was pretty cool. Um, 
And then uh, feature number five, um, which I believe is the last feature. Um, you experience the life review from a dual perspective. Um, and uh, we'll hear a little bit more about this as we go along. Uh, but this is, once again, Neve, the baseball um, player. Neve was even more explicit on this point. He says this, like, if you were going to have a life review and we were going to have a play of it, I would be in the play, but I would also be watching the play from the audience. Hmm. And I would feel all the emotions, pain, and suffering of all the characters around me in the play. And I'd feel it as an actor in the play, and I'd also experience it as a viewer of the play. So I'd have both perspectives. So not only, and I think really what he means there is three perspectives, right? Because he's experiencing it as the actor, like himself, right? First person. And then he's experiencing it as the, um, the other, right? Whoever's around this character in the show. So that's like the second person, Mm -hmm. right? And then he's experiencing it as the person in the audience watching the play as the third person. So again, one of those things where you can think back, you know, at your life and you, (laughs) you know, all those like important interactions you've had in your life, you could go back and you're in this moment where you're, where you're experiencing it and, and reliving it not only from your own perspective, mm-hmm. but you can feel what the other person felt, yeah. right? And then you can stand back and watch both and see what the whole thing looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. Like It's like Back to the Future when he goes back and he sees himself, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah it's like when there's two Martys running around and, right. he's, like, and he's watching Marty do Marty things, you know? It's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Um, <laughs> a movie uh, reflection over there? Yeah, I'm trying very... In, uh, pop culture? <laughs> I'm trying, but failing immensely. <laughs> doing the Marty thing. Yes, yes, because I can't think of any specific example. Because <laughs> I didn't come prepared with my movie references like you do. Yeah. No, I, there's a moment when uh, Marty from the first movie is talking to his parents back in the 50s right and marty from part two is there listening right yeah. right right so he's, he's watching. telling the story about like burning the carpet or something and, right you know don't uh yeah don't be too hard on him and, right yeah, yeah i remember yeah. that right because it's like a it's a stacking you know it's like he traveled back and then he's going through there again right right like, yeah 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 but his other one's still there yeah trying yeah. not to create a uh uh, what is it? Not a vortex. A uh, oh yeah, uh, a uh, oh that's a, that's a good word too. How am I? I'm blanking on it too. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Why why can't we think of the word? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A uh, paradox. Yes. Right. I think so. No, yeah. I don't think that's it. It'll come to you. no. Maybe it is paradox. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. If you can think of the word, email us. <laughs> I'm always fishing for email. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that's kind of, those are the five features um, that we, that we get from Kenneth Ring okay. and his understanding of the, of the life review. Um, so then there's this idea that um, there are lessons that uh, we take from it. And that's why I asked Lila that question. Because he's, yeah. What he's what he's kind of getting at here is that the the purpose of the life review, um, regardless, really, he thinks, regardless of if the person actually survives, you know, the near death experience in this life, he's he's kind of assuming that this happens for everybody, right? And that we're just hearing the stories of the people that came back. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's like, yeah, 
the assumption is that everybody is going through this experience, right? And then it's just um, we hear about it from the people that survived. Um, right. And so the idea is that this life review is essentially a, a teaching tool. It's a, it's a learning process yeah. that you go through and you learn like okay you had that you had that scenario where you know you had that one interaction with that one particular relationship in your life and here's how it went what do you think about it you know and and how can you learn um which would imply that it's if if it is universal right to everybody that experiences which there's no way to know that because you can't hear from the people that didn't survive right right um yeah but if it is universal, then what it speaks to is this idea of sort of soul growth, right? That your your soul is going through this process of learning, right? Yeah. For the ND ears, they come back so they can learn things that they can apply in the rest of their life here, right? right? But it could also be things that your soul learns so that you can grow in a, you know, in another way as your soul continues on, right? Yeah. Which we're going to get into that because the, the, the final part we're going to talk about tonight is afterlife. Okay. And what some of the visions that people have of that are, which is fascinating to me, yeah. obviously. Um, so the the um, he says this, the they teach us, he's talking about the life review, unmistakably, in my judgment, how we are to live. It is as simple as that. There are certain values, universal values, we are meant to live by, and life review episodes contain vivid and incredibly powerful reminders of these values. Um, and uh, so here's here's another quote from um, this is an NDE experiencer that I don't have their name, um, but this is his th- th- this is him talking about what he actually learned. Instantly, my entire life was laid bare and open to this wonderful presence, God. This is what this person calls it, God. I felt inside my being his forgiveness for the things in my life I was ashamed of, as though they were not of great importance. I was asked, but there were no words. It was a straight mental instantaneous communication. I was asked, what had I done to benefit or advance the human race? At the same time, all my life was presently, instantly in front of me, and I was shown or made to understand what counted. I'm not going into this any further, but believe me, what I had counted in life as unimportant was my salvation. And what I thought was important was nil. So, mm. There you go. Um, then there's another one. Uh, and this is, uh, this is kind of uh, another description of the, the, the learning process. And this is um, someone named uh, Goran Grip. And he gives us a particular instructive instance of the kind of tutelage that is available in this state, right? So mm. What can you learn when you have a near-death experience? Yeah. Um, speaking of the being of light he encountered during his NDE, he writes this. So, so this is, again, that encounter of a light being of some sort. Some people call it God. Some people call it light being. Some people just call it the light. Some mm-hmm. people call it, you know, some people, as we heard last time, some people just call it Jesus, you know, people call yeah. it all different things. <laughs> Uh, his love encouraged me to go through my life up to that point. I, and he talked about reviewing his life. I saw, relived, and remembered things that had happened in my life. Not only what actually took place, but also the emotions involved. Being five years old, you haven't had the opportunity to commit many bad things. But I had a two-year-old brother of whom I was very jealous. And a lot of times I had been mean to him in the usual way between brothers and had punished and had been punished in the usual nonviolent way between parents and children. 
Going through what happened to us, my focus was not on what we actually did to each other or who started it. The emphasis, the emphasis was all the time on our exchange of emotions. And because of the love and understanding radiating from the being of light, I found the courage to see for myself and with open eyes and without defenses what in my actions has caused him pain. And for most of the episodes we went through, the being offered me an alternative way to act. Not what I should have done, which would have been moralizing me, but what I could have done. An open invitation that made me completely feel free to accept or not accept his suggestions. <laughs> Just like, <laughs> it's an invitation, right? Yeah. It's an invitation to, hey, you, maybe you could have tried this. Right. You know, which is like, isn't that oftentimes how we how we hope to speak to children, you know, about things like, right. was that really the best choice that you made right there? <laughs> like, yeah. Usually we just like, you, little, you know, we get all angry at them and stuff and yell. But, uh-huh. you know, but in your in your better state, you right. know, you'll often just offer them suggestions. Mm-hmm. You know, could you have thought that through a little bit more before? You know, were there some other choices that you had? That's how you yeah, like right. to speak to your kids all the time or to young people all the time. But it doesn't happen that way. Yeah. You know, but that's what this is. You know, this person is um, is, uh, is sort of getting that experience mm-hmm. um, of being just sort of given the option to, to look at it and say, is, is this how you wanted to do that? Right. Yeah. All right. So this next guy, his name is Tom. And it's, his name is actually Tom Sawyer. And it's his real name. Tom Soy. <laughs> yeah. I knew I was going to give me one of those. <laughs> All right. And so, um, so Tom, he was kind of a, kind of a jerk when he was, I think he was um, in his like teens or late teens, early 20s, maybe. Okay. And his really nice truck that he liked. He would drive around town. This is a story that I'm not going to read, but I'll give you the background. And this pedestrian goes walking out in front of him one day when he's tooling around in his truck and he gets like road rage at this person and starts like you know starts a verbal Jeez, altercation Tom. between the two of them and then he ends up they end up getting in a fight these two guys <laughs> and so like they're like fighting in the street like physically you know punching each other in the street and so this is this wasn't his near-death experience <laughs> he had a near-death experience later right. but this was a scene in his life review it's true it's, yeah yeah he, he talks about it um so uh Tom was forced to relive this scene, um, and he found himself doing so from a dual perspective. One part of himself, he said, seemed to be high up in a building overlooking the street, uh, from which perch he simply witnessed, like an elevated spectator, the fight taking place below. But another part of Tom was actually involved in the fight again. (laughs) However, this time in the life review, he found himself in the place of the other party Mm. and experienced each distinct blow he had inflicted on this man 32 at all he said before collapsing unconscious on the pavement <laughs> so he got to experience getting punched by himself um in his life <laughs> wow so so don't punch somebody else because you're just punching yourself <laughs> it's like the, not exactly instant karma but yeah yeah well karma it, nonetheless it's taking place instantly in that you know and right, right. yeah <laughs> There's another story about two two young brothers. They must have been like, I don't know, I can't remember exactly, like seven and nine or, you know, in that, that age group of, you know, young brothers. Um, and they're, they're a Jewish family, and so their family celebrates Yom Kippur. Um, and I don't know a whole lot about the holiday itself, but it's a day of prayer, 
right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, families will go to the synagogue and then they get into this prayer state, right? Yeah. Um, well, the boys were waiting out some either outside the synagogue or in some part of the synagogue where mom and dad had gone in to pray. Mm-hmm. And they were instructed to, you know, behave themselves and be good boys. And, yeah. You know, mom and maybe dad not in the most prayerful of states. They were not. Yeah. <laughs> so they did like brothers do, and they find ways to get into mischief. And in this one um, instance, the older brother puts the younger brother, who I think maybe was like five, mm-hmm. maybe like four or five, you know, and the older brother's probably like eight or nine or something like that. Yeah. Puts him in a, you know, a cart, like a grocery cart in the parking lot, starts pushing him around, right? Well, then he finds a hill, and of course, like any older brother, <laughs> has a great idea. <laughs> Let's see what happens if I roll him down the hill, you know, <laughs> so he goes and pushes him down the hill. Um, but there's a big wall at the bottom of the hill, and the, the younger brother smacked into the wall um, and, like, cut his head open and bleeding real bad and all this. And then they had to, like, call mom and dad, and so they interrupted, like, the whole prayer service that was going on in the synagogue. And so he talked about this feeling of what it was like because uh. in his near— cause the, the, that, again, wasn't the near-death experience incident. That was real life. Yeah. Later in his life, you know, he had to relive yeah. this. Um, and uh, hmm. wonder what he felt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, in, in my life review, I got to sense and feel basically what everyone around me felt at the same time. I was watching it, and I was doing it, and I got to experience both aspects of it at the same time. But I didn't see anyone actually judging me. It was more like I was judging myself and what I did mm. and how that affected everyone. Because um, he described, like, you know, experiencing, you know, what it was like for the other families, you know, and what it was like for his mother who sees her son bleeding and, you know, maybe semi-conscious from this, you know, smash into the wall. And yeah. like, he just he, he experienced everybody's emotions in the whole synagogue that day, you know, just because he had he had caused that with his decisions, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. Yeah. Um, so uh, they kind of conclude this section with, with this. Um, and I think this was the same. Yes, this was the same person from the, uh, the cart down the hill. Uh, when I was me in my life all over again, I didn't feel as concerned with excuses for what I did. There were no excuses. I did these things already. I couldn't change them and I couldn't justify them. Now I had to understand why they happened and what will happen because of them. Um, hmm. So this is where we're going to shift gears a little bit and get into um, the sort of the, the final two things that we're going to have here, which is some of the um, some of the main ideas that people are learning from these. Because right, remember, yeah. the idea is that he's he's sort of picking this out as as this is probably one of the most important parts of the near death experience, um, the life review, because it's what people come back with a learning from. Yeah, know? and it's not. I mean, it's not always a great thing, but it's something that somehow advances their you know, their soul or their, their, you know, understanding of life or who they are or whatever it is. Right. Um, so we're going to hear a story about a person called, um, Roxanne. Uh, and so it goes like this. Um, he received a letter from Roxanne Sumners, the NDE who he talked about earlier in the book. Um, she's the she was one who had two childhood NDEs, um, and she talks about this. Uh, let's see, um, she nearly drowned in the ocean when she was seventeen. Hmm. Um, my whole life was there within the light, but instead of a sequence of events, it all came at once. 
I learned that time, as we think of it, doesn't exist, nor does the separation between us. In fact, it was almost as if there was no other. I say almost because I had self-awareness, but knew my awareness lived within an intricate pattern that existed eternally everywhere. Wow. So she she had this sense of like time kind of went away and and you know the time that she has experienced in life is not there anymore it's a different understanding of the flow of things yeah and along with that comes this dissipation of separation that things are no longer other right mm-hmm. she was still herself still aware of who she was yeah but definitely realizing that there's a deeper connectedness that she's experiencing here, which sounds very similar to some of the other things we were talking about when we were, you know, in the cities and we were talking about, mm-hmm. you know, he did a whole section on, you know, psychedelics and what that does and it, you know, dissolves um, separation. Right. And he talked about meditation does the same thing, dissolves this this separation that things are really actually other than us and that we're actually connected in a much greater way. Yeah. Um, and... uh so now we're back to Tom Sawyer, the guy who beat up the person in the road yeah. with his truck. Yeah. Well, not with his truck, but he was next to his truck. Yeah. <laughs> He's beating up a person. Um, yeah. Uh, Tom Sawyer said this. Uh, you do have an effect on plants. So and he's not really talking about that incident anymore with the fight. He's talking about something else. You do have an effect on plants. You do have an effect on animals. You do have an effect on the universe. And in your life review, you'll be the universe and experience yourself and how you affect the universe. Right? He's taking this from the idea of like he experienced being this other guy that he was fighting with. Right. But then he also realized, wait, 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 I can experience like what it felt like to be the grass and have the mower drive over it. You know, it's like (laughs) I experienced the whole universe experiencing me. Because I can be any part of it, because I am kind of connected to part of it, right? Yeah. That's kind of where he's going with this. The little bugs on your eyelids that some of you don't even know exist. That's an inner relationship. You with yourself and these little entities that are living and surviving on your eyelids. Oh, come on, man. When you waved a loving goodbye to a good friend the other day, did you affect the clouds up above? Did you actually affect them? Does a butterfly's wings in China affect the weather here? Mm. You better believe it does. You can learn all of that in a life review. So that's to quote <laughs> your episode when yeah. you did the butterfly effect yeah. stuff, right? Episode four or six yeah. or whatever. Now, so the butterfly effect showed up in this book. I was like, oh, that's a synchronicity because Jason did the butterfly effect at a yeah. different time, you know? And, and and that's what it is. You you took it towards chaos theory, right? And that idea of, you know, the smallest and minutest things that we experience can can impact things in such large ways and he's saying that he's like everything is connected and it's connected more than we tend to think that it is you know that my waving can impact the way the cloud (laughs) functions but yeah he says it does right because he's experienced it from the clouds perspective right right um there's another um raymond moody was a famous near-death experience researcher um he was the one that wrote the first book on it that kind of you know, sort of started the whole research. That's what got Kenneth Ring into it. Okay. Um, so he was talking about somebody that Raymond Moody was quoting. One of them said this, uh, one big thing I learned when I died was that we are all part of one big living universe. If we think we can hurt another person or another living thing without hurting ourselves, we are sadly mistaken. Mm. I look at a forest or a flower or a bird now and say, that is me, part of me. We are connected with all things. And if we send love along these connections, then we are happy. 
that sounds like what we were talking about last week. Yeah. You know, that we're people are actually seeing physical reflections when they look at, you know, right. you know, plants and, and trees and fractals and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. They mimic the patterns of our bodies. Yeah. And the reason that it's so pleasing is because it allows us to tap into this connection, you know? I walked outside today. Um, I don't remember where I was, but I just walked outside and I heard birds, you know, because yeah. it's springtime. It was a warm day. And I listen to them with different ears than I normally do because of what we've been talking about here, mm-hmm. you know, because I was like, oh, it's birds. You know, that reminds me that I'm part of this, you know, bigger creation thing, you know, yeah. and that's beautiful. And that, you know, I don't have, I can stop worrying about that thing that I'm worrying about while I'm walking around, you know, mm-hmm. so I'll just, I'm, I'm listening to birds. This is the second time someone has talked about, uh, uh, like, putting ears on or different ears. Lila said she would put her ears back on when she was when she thought you were finished talking. Oh, right. <laughs> right? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you were listening with different ears. Yeah. yeah. Must be something you, uh, I don't know, talk about as like a, or like subliminal, subliminally <laughs> yeah. uh, connect with, um, yeah. you know, putting different ears on or turning off your ears. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. I haven't heard people talk about their ears like that. I don't yeah. Know. I don't know. It's, maybe it's a family trait. I guess maybe so. It's from from dear old dad. She doesn't she doesn't listen to any of my lectures, apparently. <laughs> she hasn't put her ears on yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> she takes them off. <laughs> I start talking. Uh, yeah. Say, I got to put on my different ears for you, dad. <laughs> I got a life lesson for you, kid. Ooh, excuse me while I take my ears <laughs> <Yeah>. off. <laughs> Let me put on these ones that are muted. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so uh, so that was the interconnectedness idea. I just mm-hmm. wanted to make sure I hit on that because it, it does seem to really be a thread of just totally different disciplines that we've been talking about right. already, you know, between the nature fix and between meditation, you know, and yeah. just like all kinds of different stuff. Um, this idea of connectedness is a, a big part of it. Um, so then we're going to start hearing more about, um, uh, we're going to hear more about what the afterlife looks like. And that's where we're going to sort of conclude for the evening. Um, And I just liked this quote that he had. So I'm going to read it. Although no living person, however sapient, can bestow on us absolute knowledge concerning life after death, many NDEers, nevertheless, speak with great certitude on this point and as a group are convinced almost unconditionally that some kind of post-mortem existence awaits us all. Which is why... They all come back, and he made this point in the first in, in the first part of the book that what I covered on episode nineteen. They all come back with no fear of death, right? They fear dying and the the pain that'll you know be with it, but they don't fear actually going into death space. And they right. all, almost all of them describe it as this could be the, probably the, like the best thing that happens to you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, so. Um, so now he's saying, yeah, and they also are sort of fairly certain that there's afterlife, that something's, mm-hmm. something's there. Um, and so this was a neat one. Um, this is a woman named Jane, and this is, um, this is like the Sixth Sense movie. See, now I'm going to do another movie reference. Oh, yeah. Remember where, like the whole, the whole movie, and this is a spoiler alert, but yeah. the whole movie is that he doesn't realize he's dead. Yeah. Right? And then, you know, at some point at the end of the movie, I finally he's talking to the kid, and the kid says, I see I dead see people. Dead people. Yeah. And he realizes, oh, wait, I've been dead this whole time. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so this is like this is like a sixth sense moment uh, All right. for Jane. Um, 
The next thing I knew, I was standing in a mist, and I knew immediately that I had died. And I was so happy that I had died. <laughs> but I was still alive. Oh, wait. I was so happy. Yes. And I was so happy that I had died, but I was still alive. And I cannot tell you how I felt. It was, uh, oh, God, I'm dead, but I'm here. I'm me. And I started pouring out these enormous feelings of gratitude because I still existed, and yet I knew perfectly well that I had died. Right. So she was like, there's like that moment of like, I'm dead, but I'm not dead. Yeah, right. You know? right, right. <laughs> she was like, yay. <laughs> right? Like, I'm super excited that I'm not dead, yeah. but I'm dead. Because she was like looking over at her body, you know, I'm like, I'm, that's me, the dead me, but I'm alive. Yeah, right. Right. So she was really celebrating that fact. Um, while I was pouring out these feelings, the mist started being infiltrated with enormous light. Hmm. And the light just got brighter and brighter and brighter. And it is so bright but it doesn't hurt your eyes, but it's brighter than anything you've ever experienced in your life. And this enormously bright light seemed almost to cradle me. I just seemed to exist in it and be nurtured by it. And the feeling just became more and more and more ecstatic and glorious and perfect. And everything about it was, if you took the 1,000 best things that ever happened to you in your life and multiplied by a million, maybe you could get close to this feeling. I don't know. Hmm. But you're engulfed by it. And you begin to know a lot of things. I remember I knew that everything, everywhere in the universe was okay. That the plan was perfect. That whatever was happening, the wars, famine, whatever, was okay. Everything was perfect. Somehow it was all a part of the perfection that we didn't have to be concerned about it at all. And the whole time I was in this state, it seemed infinite. It was timeless I was just an infinite being in perfection and love and safety and security and knowing that nothing could happen to you in your home forever, that you're safe forever, and that everybody else was. Well, <laughs> that's what her experience was like after she realized that she's dead. Um, all right, so the I'm, I've been on this kick in um, at church uh, ever since Epiphany about light, right, and mm -hmm. that whole... Um, idea of of God's light coming into the world really started in Advent and then you know Christmas Christmas Eve we have the candlelight service right and the uh -huh. you know Christ's yeah, yeah. light and the light goes out into the to the people and the people take the light with them and yeah you know and so this whole idea of like that we're beings of light um, has been really you know it seems to be very as I've taken that lens to Scripture. You know the Bible, Scripture, like yeah. our our Christian scriptures. I, I take a take a lens that lens to it. It seems like it's more and more present. Um, the the theme of of light. I mean, it's how the Gospel of John begins. You know, with mm -hmm. the, you know what came into the world was was life, and the life was the light of all people. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, so it seems like that's a pretty good place to start. Uh, sure. And light seems to be a, a common theme throughout all of it. Um, and so light and life is actually a common theme here in these visions that people have of the afterlife. Um, this is another person, Nell, told them this. My experience was not deep enough to go further than the light and the presence, but I know that when the time is right and my physical body dies, I will go on living in the light and in the life, and I will find the entire world up there. Hmm. So I thought it was interesting they described that as the light and the life. You know, yeah, because that's it's like the I've inverse that before. of the Gospel of John. Yeah. The like first five verses of that, right? Um, and then here's another idea. Um, 
It's about a life that has no end point. We have this light within us. Inside, we are all like him. We are all made to become like the person composed of the intense and loving light who meets us at the end of the tunnel. Right? <laughs> it's another theme of like, you know, in this they, they're calling him. I, it was the entity, right, that some people have referred to as God. That's probably what I would call it, although other people might refer to it as yeah. something else. But right. this light at the end of the tunnel, right? Mm-hmm. You go to it and but, – but, but then there's this realization that I am also made up of it, right? right. I'm a part of it, right? Um. And uh, they go into an idea of, about the the certainty that people have about um, you know uh, about that there is an afterlife, right? I'm not going to read the quotes because um, I, I really want to get to this last this last description that we have. Okay. Um, but he already referenced it that that you know the vast majority, if not you know unanimously, people come out of this certain that there is an afterlife, right? And so there's a couple of quotes that kind of drive that point home, but I don't think I need to make them I, I feel like it's been <laughs> that point has been made um but there is an interesting thing um he's wondering if there are effects of people just hearing about ndes right people who haven't experienced them yeah but they hear about it or read about it or research it right does that change their views and visions or or their belief system right uh so he says it's natural to ask after so many years of familiarity with ndes what has been the effect of all this testimony on the public's belief in life after mm. death? Has the NDE made a difference here? Right? Because remember, up until that book was written by Moody, Raymond Moody, and you know, Kenneth Ring was one of the people that really sort of picked up the charge of of, you know, researching this stuff. Until that, it was just sort of talked about in sort of the everyday, you know, everyday people in their conversations. It was never looked yeah. at as an academic thing to be studied, which in our world now, things have to be looked at that way for people to take them seriously. Yeah. It's like before the industrial revolution or before, you know, sort of the, the scientific method was advanced, stuff like that. People just talked about this stuff and it was just part of the natural belief system of a people, you know, mm-hmm. it was more of that, uh, you call it maybe shamanistic, right? Because it's not based on, you know, a scientific method. It's just based on this is what we talk about. We believe we all experience it. It becomes part of our story. Right. It's a more narrative kind of thing. Yeah. Right. But, but in a world where, you know, we have to study things in an academic way, this has never been done until like started in like the seventies, yeah. you know, that people started actually studying. So it's a very new thing mm-hmm. really, as far as yeah, science in the grand is scheme of things, you know, cause we've been studying things like, you know, the, the nature of light for hundreds of years, right. you know, never never been studying near death experiences except for the last 40 or so you know maybe a little bit more 40 50 years so um so he's wondering you know is this by being studied and being you know labeled as an nde and having reports go out is it making a difference you know just in the general population right so he said um an average of 82 percent of the students in these surveys reported that their exposure to NDE information in these courses had increased their belief in life after death. So these are students that were, you know, working on NDE, um, you know, reports and, you know, information in their classes. And 82% of them um, believed more in life after death after encountering these stories. So, yeah, it is making a difference, which is kind of cool. All right. So the last thing that I'm going to get into is uh, a particular person's experience. His name is Mellon Thomas, and that's a M-E-L-L-E-N. 
uh, hyphen Thomas. He's got two first names hyphenated. And then his last name is Benedict. So Melon Thomas Benedict. And he's a good friend of Kenneth Rings who had a NDE himself. And he goes into talking more about it um, sort of from the afterlife perspective of what, you know, what does it kind of look like? Yeah. You know, as you get there. Um, and the the interesting thing about um, Mellon Thomas Benedict is that he, during his NDE, he, for some reason, had a little bit more, um, a little bit more awareness of, of the situation that he was in to the point where he actually began inquiring of, of the light itself. Like, you know, show me more or teach me more or let me experience more. Like he, it's like all the accounts we've had, people just like, wow, that was an amazing experience. Or I got to see my whole life or boy, it really sucked when I was punching myself, you know, (laughs) in the road by my truck, (laughs) you know, they experienced it. Right. But they didn't like really get into inquiries or if they did, they didn't really talk about it. So this person, Melon Thomas Benedict actually spoke on it a little bit. So he gives you, he gives us this neat and you're going to see it's like a boomerang effect. You go way out and then you come back um, in, at least in his description. Um, The light revealed itself to me on a level that I had never been to before. I can't say it's words. It was a telepathic understanding more than anything else. Very vivid. I could feel it. I could feel this light and the light just reacted and revealed itself on another level. And the message was yes. Most people, depending on where you're from, it could be Jesus, it could be Buddha, it could be Krishna, whatever. But I said, but what is it really? (laughs) And the light changed, because he had asked the light what it is, right? And the light responded to him, yes. Um, He said, are you Jesus, right? He said, depending on where you're coming from, it could be Jesus, or it could be Buddha, or it could be Krishna, whatever. But he said, he asked a little bit deeper, but what is it really? Uh, and the light then changed into, the only thing I can tell you is that it turned into a, ma- a matrix, a mandala of human souls. And what I saw was what we call our higher self in each of us is a matrix. It's also a conduit to the source. Each one of us comes directly as a direct experience from the source. And it became very clear to me that all the higher selves are connected as one being. All humans are connected as one being. We are actually the same being, different aspects of the same being. And I saw this mandala of human souls. It was the most Mm -hmm. beautiful thing I have ever seen. Just, and then his voice trembles, it says in the notes. (laughs) I just went into it. His voice falters, it says in the notes. It was just overwhelming. He chokes. It says in the notes, it was like all the love you've ever wanted. And it was the kind of love that cures, heals, regenerates. So again, there's that idea of interconnectedness, that this light, this first light being that he encounters is the conduit to the, to the actual source light, you know, like that you go into this tunnel and that's this conduit. And then when asked, he just asked the light, like, cause here you are in this very like honest space, right? Because mm-hmm. you're you have to you're being very honest about your life. All the people talked about it like it's very non-judgmental, and yeah. you know you felt the pain that you went through, but you don't feel pain there, right? Like you don't look at these things and say you're sorry about it, right? You say, well, it already happened. I screwed up there. What do I learn from it, 
right? And mm-hmm. it's non-judgmental. And so in this space, he was had enough awareness to like, yeah, yeah, but who are you, light guy? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like who who's the who's the man behind the curtain, essentially, right? Yeah. To make another movie reference, that's my third now. I think Jason, right? Was that Wizard of Oz? Wizard of Oz, buddy. There you go. We went um, Back to the Future. Wizard of Oz was the other one. Oh, Sixth Sense. Right. Let me go. Yeah. I'm a regular you. That's did because you, we're the same. Did you see all three of those? <laughs> seen Wizard of Oz. Yeah, I've seen all three of them. I saw yeah. the Sixth Sense. I don't really remember other than the thing that I said about it. <laughs> uh, all right. So he had the awareness to ask this. And then he got to, to go on a little journey. So this is what he says. I felt like I was zooming somewhere. This was after he saw this this light change into this mandala yeah. of human souls, right? And then he's going. This is before Zoom was a yeah. It's before Zoom online. was a platform. It was an actual. It was a, a verb. <laughs> I guess it still is a verb. Want to Zoom tomorrow? <laughs> no. Yes. <laughs> no. <Nope>. Nope. <laughs> Felt like I was zooming somewhere, but I really think it was my consciousness just expanding at such a rapid rate, mm. and it happened so quickly. But it was in such detail that there came another light right at me, and when I hit this light. It was like I dissolved or something. And I understood at that moment that I had passed the Big Bang. This was the first light ever, and I went through the Big Bang. That's what happened. I went through that membrane into this. So he's now traveled, you know, his consciousness got so big that he's bigger than the universe, right? And he now bumped into the real true source light, which, you know, is God, right, in this Mm. this case. Um, and then he says this, it was like I was looking out of God's eyes. I had become God. And then that's like the end point, right? Where he sort of bumped into and was totally and fully absorbed by God to the point where he was looking out at his surroundings like he was looking through God's eyes. Yeah. Then he goes back. I went back through the Big Bang. And I understood at that point that everything since the Big Bang, since what they called the first word, is actually the first vibration. There was a place before any vibration at all. Didn't we do a show on sound and resonance and music, right? Like, yeah, we did. It's like there was a place before there was any vibration, right? And now it's like the Big Bang was actual like the energy, the vibration, yeah. like coming into the world, right? Or being, you know, exposed. I came back with this understanding that God is not there. God is here. That's what it's all about. Um, and he, uh, he talked about Gaia. Have you ever heard of the term Gaia? I know I've seen it like written. Yeah. So the the idea of the the idea of Gaia is that the Earth is a is a being, right? And that all all things are a, a part of it. You know, mm-hmm. like if you were to look at it as, as a scale, but then you can say you could scale it out and say, you know, the universe or the solar system is a is a coherent being. Okay. Right? And so everything's a part of this being. It's alive. Yeah. It sounds like what you were talking about last week, you know, like when the earth awakens in spring. And, yeah. You know, it's like we often see it as like individual things. Oh, the trees are starting to grow, that the birds are starting to do things. But what if that's all part of a larger system that is one living being that, you know, is the earth and we're part of it. Right. Um, so he says, he talks about Gaia. What I saw when I came back through was that whole Gaia thing. And this is before I even knew what Gaia was. I saw that the solar system we live in is our larger local body. This is our local body, and we are much bigger than we imagine. I saw that the solar system is our body. I am a part of this. And the Earth is the great created being that we are. And we are a part of it. And we are, we are the part of it that knows that it is. But we are only that part of it. We are not everything, 
but we are that part of it that knows that it is. It's like this self-awareness yeah. thing. And some some physicists have said this. Some physicists have said that human beings have evolved to understand the universe, right? That's like mm-hmm. one of our biggest questions, right? Right. And if, you know, they believe uh, we, we've evolved out of the universe, right? It says like the humans are the universe trying to figure itself out, <laughs> right? Yeah, right. Trying to understand itself, right? That's, yeah. that's exactly what he's saying here. It's like we're the part of the earth that knows that it is, that it exists, yeah. right? We're the part of the earth that knows it. We're the part of the part of the earth that can walk over and touch itself by reaching down in the soil and planting things, you know? Yeah. We're the part of the earth that can experience the wind blowing through, you know? It's like that's a really cool idea to me. I just thought it was super cool. <laughs> um, essentially, so this is um, – now, that's that's all we need to to hit on that. But that that's um, that is uh, what was his name? Mellon, Mellon Thomas Benedict. That okay. was his that was his NDE experience. Yeah, going up. the boomerang. First, he saw the first light, which is what everybody sees. Yeah. But then he went through the Big Bang, all the way back, bounced into the big light, <laughs> got dissolved <laughs> by it, looked at everything through God's eyes, and then. Came back right. through the Big Bang, back here, and he's like, oh, right, sure. The universe is our larger body, and, yeah. you know, the Earth is the part that knows itself, and we're part <laughs> of it. It's, like, so simple, guys, you know? Like, it's just such right. a, you know, such a neat, like, when he came comes back, he's like, and, and when you, the, do you hear, like, he's reading his actual words. I'm reading his actual words, yeah. right? Because he's recorded this conversation. Right. He talks so matter-of-factly about it. Yeah. It's like God's not out there. God's right here. You know, like he's mm-hmm. like, come on, guys. This is, he's even like laughing in there. There's like little notes that says he's laughing oh, yeah. or pausing or whatever. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's he's just speaking so matter of factly about it um, that it's and it's almost like it's silly. It sounds silly to us because he's just talking like he's a quack, you know. But it's right. but it's really like his true experience, and he's just sharing it. So um, that's all I have for tonight. I just wanted to read this last concluding line from. Yeah. Um, from Dr. Kenneth Ring because this was a fascinating book to me and I didn't even hit all that I the second half I probably left out three or four chapters just because I only wanted to do a two-part thing on it but mm-hmm. fascinating stuff what he's finding yeah, in these really cool. um, in these NDEs so this is kind of he's trying to wrap things up here which is okay. what I'm trying to do too <laughs> As, <laughs> so I'm going to let him do it for me <laughs> as any good podcaster would <laughs> I'm not sure I could be qualified as a good podcaster yet but 21 episodes, that's pretty good. All right. As I indicated at the outset, what I have quoted here from our conversation describes only a portion of Mellon's NDE. But it is enough, I think, to make clear that his vision is one of absolute wholeness in which all things are connected in a living cosmic web of organic unity. The visible universe is a universe of vibrating fields within fields, a dance of exquisite harmony, where, as Blake said... Energy is eternal delight, and everything sings of God's imminent presence. At its core, exfoliating from the void is that radiant light, which some have called the central sun, and which metaphorically may have its physical representation in the Big Bang, the genesis of it all, including the star stuff we call ourselves. Because all things are truly one within this vision of life, we human beings, indeed all living creatures, are one body, indivisible, and as such not separate from God either, but his very 
manifestation. So, wow. Kenneth Ring, Lessons from the Light, um, hmm. a whole book about NDE experiences. So, just fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's really cool. I just love the way he concluded. That was a fantastic paragraph he put together at the end. He really <laughs> wordsmithed that one. Right. That one right <laughs> he up. Smithed it quite well, didn't he? <laughs> yes. All right. Um, all right. That's the end of this segment. I uh, I leave you with that, brother. Uh, and uh, thank you. We'll see what you've got for us in the final segment. You have to have another bush light and get the <laughs> get the suds flowing. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be back to conclude this episode here on the Music of the Spheres podcast. Segment three. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's almost opening day of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Count down the minutes. <laughs> Do you want to uh, just stay on until we're... Oh, probably. We're going to. We're going to. a good chance. We're going to make it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be the first yeah. ones to... I'll read that poem again. Yeah. <laughs> to raise if anybody's, a... If anybody's really Jones and they hear that one again. <laughs> to raise a hot dog to the... Uh, baseball gods. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, the baseball gods are the same as uh, all the, everything else. It's all connected, right? right. <laughs> yeah. That doesn't explain why the Blue Jays never never win, though. Yeah, they always win. <laughs> Every year. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we can rewrite reality. Yeah, 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 exactly. That's the beauty of this episode. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, some of that stuff, like I've often. Uh, you know, wondered if there's going to be like a, and not really in a near death experience way, but a, just like I've actually died, mm-hmm. and then do I get to like watch a replay? Yeah, of right my life, right, and would I want to? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, like when you win Mario Kart, you know, <laughs> they show and then, the race, over and then it's again. like the race goes over again, yeah. you know. But it's like it all, it's like it's a different perspective. It's in slow motion, uh-huh. and it's like. There's sometimes little... the camera's like in front of your yeah. car. Yeah. Showing, the, yeah. Yeah. They show you like the time that you got blasted by the blue shell. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was going to win. And yeah. then that happened. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you, you know, shoot off the green shell right at the perfect time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, get your best friend. And right. Right. Like, oh, like I, well, I just blew up my friend there, but. Yeah. Exactly. I still feel kind of good. You just blew up yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I'm just going to be honest. I know it's going to get confusing. I know. I'm going to be honest. It's going to be like a, a, yeah. a inception <laughs> kind of thing. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> a life inside a life inside yeah. a life inside a life. Right, right. Yeah. Um but yeah, I mean I think I you know, if there is an instant replay, 
Uh, I would wonder, uh, you know, now being 35, there are definitely moments that I would really like to get back <laughs> Yeah, um, that really were not my best or finest moments. And Yeah. Um, but I'm wondering, you know, if at the end of all things, if I could really, I think I could maybe watch them with a different point of view or, a, mm. you know, maybe like, uh, I did learn something from that. Right. And it was profound and it made me a, a better person yeah. than uh, who I was before that. Right. And it is interesting to like, I mean, I've probably said this before, but clients I've met. Uh, with a TBI have kind of talked about how they uh, were kind of like one person before the TBI. Mm-hmm. And some of them have, you know, part of that was a, a NDE. Um, yeah. And then uh, now they would consider themselves a, a better person, right. like air quotes. Right. Um, I mean, they mean, they mean they, I think what they mean is they like who they are more right now yeah um uh, obviously it took a while to you know get through the anger and the frustration of a changed life yeah um a lot of them having to learn how to do things again whether it was walking or talking or yeah um but kind of coming coming out on the other side like maybe through this tunnel to find a different kind of light yeah that uh, made them more, I don't know, if proud is the right word or yeah, um, maybe accepting of who they are. Um, and that's a lovely thing to see for people. Um, I mean, you kind of hate that it would be a, a TBI that would bring that for them. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, maybe I guess sometimes it's, something traumatic yeah that helps us realize a a deeper sense of self right um yeah going back to another episode that we because i just thought of this as you were saying that another episode that we did earlier was about you know so this was like near death like end of life stuff you know we we did that whole episode on pre-birth memories that people have yeah um and some of the the themes in there some of some of the themes were kind of common um in that they were there was that segment that i did about they they've they're choosing their life right they're actually choosing you know the way you know so that they will have a particular experience and people even chose like oh this this one thing is going to be you know really bad but i choose it because it's going to be something that i want to live through and come out the other side now i'm not saying that that's what you know what all negative things are as people have chosen them right mm-hmm. um but there's that aspect of i i value something about this experience because it's going to add to my narrative you know of of what i need to live through and right. some i need to come out the other side of something you know and yeah and that's you know that's a fascinating thing to sort of take on you know sort to your to your own life and the way that you approach every day because you know a lot of times we have challenges and trials in life and we just wish them away 
right? Like, yeah. I just wish this were not my problem, you know? Yeah. Or I just wish that this thing were better or I could do this differently or this never happened or yeah. whatever. It was like, there's all these things. But in, instead, maybe those things are kind of the whole point, you know, of, of, of a particular life. Not, not because we have a God that wants to do bad things to people and see how they do, <laughs> you know, like the, like the little kid with the magnifying glass and the ant hills, you know, yeah, like right, that's not, yeah. that, I don't think that's the reason. I think the reason is because, you know, we each are looking for growth and learning and mm-hmm. life is the way you do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, yeah, I guess, uh, I would say that would, that would be true for, for these folks that I've met. Um, I think, you know, more, more life experiences I have are true for me too. Yeah. And cause you're talking about, talking about a traumatic brain injury, but I, you hear similar things from people who have lost a particular sense of their five senses, you know, mm-hmm. because, you know, oftentimes when somebody, you know, doesn't have, you know, one of the five senses functional, the other ones are stronger because the brain is able to you know, right. Use more bandwidth or something. Right. So, and they like the way that that is, you know, sometimes not all the time. Right. Obviously if somebody goes blind, they might miss having sight, but some people will say, no, it makes me who I am. And I like the way I am now like this. I'm better at at being me. Right. And I like it, you know, and we would look at it and say, I don't understand that because we don't. (laughs) Right. But, uh, but for that person, it becomes, you know, part of their narrative and their story and saying, no, this is, this is me and I'm being more truly me through this. Yeah. You know? Yep. Yeah. Um, so a couple other things that, uh, this got me thinking about was, uh, two areas of, uh, like psychology. I uh-huh. guess. The first is, nice. um, uh, have you heard of the, uh, I'm kind of assuming you have the miracle question. Yes. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, where I've been asked that in therapy. Oh, you have? <laughs> yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And you've talked about it before on the show. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess I got thinking about it because not that these, uh, well, I mean, in a way, like the NDE is kind of a, not, it's not a question, but it's sort of like a, a miracle experience. Yeah. Where, but it sounded like, really good, though, didn't it? Some of the stuff, that, right? I mean, uh, you know, especially if you, I mean, if you get to continue living on, right? After that, yeah, and you've had this glimpse of your whole life, or um, you've you know traveled out to the Big Bang and, yeah. and come back, right? In a, in a way, it's sort of like a, a quasi miracle question because it's like um, your subconscious or your soul or your um, spirit is sort of asking you this question like yeah. this here is your life <laughs> um, this is what you've done this is who you are um, the good the bad the ugly yeah and um, if you come back and continue on uh, what is it what do you want it to look like what is it going to right. who are you going to be yeah uh, now having seen what you've seen yeah. Um yeah. so in a way it like sounds a lot like the miracle question yep. to me, which I if people aren't sure, I'll just give like an example of right. of the uh you know, a a 
counselor might say something like this. This may seem like a strange question to ask, but please bear with me. Imagine going about your life as normal and heading off to sleep at the usual time. Unknown to you, during the night, something happens, a miracle. When you wake up the following day, something exciting has happened. (laughs) The very problem that brought you to see me today is no longer there. What would be the very first difference you would notice in your life? Um, And then there's other uh, kind of follow-up questions. You know, how will you know the miracle has happened? What will others, this is kind of an interesting part, notice about you? That makes them aware things are different mm-hmm. or better or changed or, uh, you know, you've been renewed or yeah. um, refreshed. What would their reaction be? Mm-hmm. What would they do? What would you do next? Uh, what would we see, uh, feelings, thoughts, and behavior if we compared a before and after picture? Um, have you ever seen elements of this happen before? Maybe if they had an NDE, the answer would be yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like, it feels like a similar thing to me where uh, you're given this, it's kind of like a glimpse, I guess, right? right? The miracle question is supposed to sort of yeah. give you a chance to explore something maybe akin to the NDE where it's like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, I guess, you know, this would be true and that yeah. would be true and I, I could see that happening and... I can see me not being so obsessed or worried about this thing that has been, uh, right. you know, being a shackle in my life, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of popped in my head. It, I don't know how often I've never actually used the, <laughs> the miracle question, but I've, you know, only been seeing clients sep- since September. So right, right. hasn't really <laughs> come up yet, but... Um, I I do see myself using it because it's a a tool. I mean, we can't all have an NDE, but we can all be asked the miracle question. So it's like, well, maybe that's the next best thing is like getting a re, uh, you know, seeing a a new viewpoint. uh, Yeah. Having a chance to um, change in in those ways. Because ultimately, like, I think the the NDE I think you're right I think it is like it's like the next level miracle question right right yeah, it's, it's like, like on steroids right yeah. right because the miracle the miracle question the person's still going to be addressing things in this realm right right they're still going to be addressing like you know that everyday problem that I carry around with me that you know whatever it might be for different people different things but right they're going to be addressing that they're going to be addressing things like you know, their feelings and their emotions are going to be addressing things like, you know, their vocation or their social status or, you know, it'll be all a manner of thing or, or their physical health, like their bot, right? You know, maybe that's the, the thing, right? So in the miracle question as a therapist would ask, you know, most of the time I would imagine the client to be answering in the, you know, in this realm, yeah, right? Whereas right. the NDE seems as though it's answering questions in the in the larger space the mm-hmm. bigger the bigger realm as we call it on this show right the, yeah you know the eternal realm or um as my the owner of the yoga studio calls it the realm of all possibility right you know it's like that that space is where those questions are answered 
And it's the thing that's like next level about it is because the people who are there then realize like, oh, yeah, all that crap I was worried about didn't matter, did it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and that's so it's like it 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 dissolves the the pains of this temporal realm yeah. by rescaling how people understand their entire existence. Right. right. Like it's not just about you know, here and stuff like money problems, you know, or stuff like, right. you know, like, or, you know, health, nagging health issues that we all have as we age or it's like, it's not stuff yeah. like that, you know, or even relational issues that we, we have like that. Those things are healed in this other space, yeah. you know, and not an issue anymore. Yeah. And I guess I was curious about how, um, you know, if they, the one, uh, the one story about the, I remembered the brother story. I guess. Uh, yeah. Most why? Of all. Well, I mean, I never it, pushed you down a hill in a grocery. No. Store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not that I can remember though, because yeah, I mean, maybe that that kid could neither, because he smashed his head into a wall. <laughs> yeah, that scar you have on your head. Short term memory loss. The memories that they told you about that it was not true. Yeah. That was from the grocery cart incident, not the bike down the hill. Yeah, that was just us. Uh, <laughs> it's just yeah, me. Yeah. I did that to you. <laughs> um, but him, you know, talking about how uh, he he didn't really uh, his focus wasn't on how anyone else. In like during the NDE, his focus was on what he felt. Um, right? Is that kind of what he was saying? Like um, his his reaction to viewing the thing as sort of an observer, yep, and not a participant. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't quite remember what uh, if you know if he had said what kind of feelings he was feeling. Um, in that moment, because that's that's the kind of thing like um, you have an opportunity to look back on those moments. And like the first word that popped into my head is, oh, like, you know, when he was observing that, he must be feeling such shame for having right. done something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't remember. Yeah. What yeah. He, is that. So he said this. I, I didn't see anyone as actually judging me. It was more like I was judging myself on what I did and how that affected everyone. Right. So. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I, and I think, I think he's referring to, that's the way he felt in the NDE, like in, in the life review. Right. You know, he didn't feel any, like he didn't, like if he was, if he had light beings around him at that time or something, he wasn't experiencing them being like, see, you're a real jerk because of what you did to your brother and all those people that you interrupted their Yom Kippur. Right. Right. He didn't feel that sense of judging. It was like. He was just, oh yeah, look, look at how I, look at how I disturbed, you know, everybody mm-hmm. else's day or or their emotional state, and the the pain and anxiety that I caused my mother because she was worried right. about, you know, my brother, and you know, he sort of he saw it from that different perspective of, you know, it's not, which which I think is that's I think kind of the key thing about it is mm-hmm. that, and it's and it's the part that comforts me a little bit about you know, what my own experience might be like, because when you do, yeah, when you get that, like, yeah, you're going to, you're going to relive every single thing. Right. You know, like that one person said, like every single word you ever said, or it's like (laughs) every single thought you ever had, you know, it's like, I just think about like, I've tried really hard, you know, in my life to improve 
like the cycles of thinking that I have yeah. and to improve the way that I speak and talk to people, you know, right. and to get better at all that stuff. Like it's part of my life work is to try to be a better human yeah, right. in general. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I look back and I'm like, yeah, there's times I was kind of a crappy human, you know, and right. I don't want to have to live through all of that again. But I, but, but it sounds like it, it's not necessarily, you know, like you have, you have the pain from that experience, mm-hmm. like that you've already felt here, but it's not added on there. It is, is what it looks like from these reports, right? And I think right. that's the important distinction. That one woman said in the, her, when her painful stuff got erased, right? It was, the, it was the pain. She was re-experiencing the pain from here, right? It wasn't new pain that she was experiencing there yeah. in the life review. It wasn't like, see what you did? Here's more pain to right. experience, right? Yeah. She was just experiencing the already pain from here, just reliving through it. Yeah. And then they were actually able to take that away and say, you don't have to experience it. Just take the learning from it. Right. right? And, you know, so I think that that's... That's yeah. kind of what it sounds like is happening. Well, that's what I liked about it, too, because, um, well, I mean, one thing we would say that's, I think, often true is we're our own worst critic. Yeah, right? that was in my sermon this past Sunday. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, which, I mean, just feels like a, a human truth um, because we know ourselves so well. Yeah. Um, even if, you know, even if we're trying to, like, wear masks and... Uh, come across as like the you know best version of ourselves right, right? there's still that that inner voice it's like yeah. oh you suck yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. yeah people are gonna see right through you right right exactly uh, it's that whole like you know um from uh this is another movie reference from um uh wow yeah i don't know what's going on <laughs> they uh the, the uh, uh original claymation rudolph you know <laughs> yeah and the little the, the dentist guy he wants to be a dentist, but he's an elf, you know. He's, oh, right, yeah. You know, I can't remember his name, but. Yeah. Remember he sings that song, You Can't Fire Me, I Quit? <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes. <laughs> that's, the, that's what it is. It's like, you know, you can't, you can't pick on me because I'm going to figure out first how to pick on me. Right, you yeah. Know? And yeah. I'm going to do the best job at it. So even if you do, you still didn't pick on me as good as I did. Right. You know, and, and maybe that's a, a learned behavior or maybe not. I don't know. But but we all we all yeah. do it to some Defense degree. mechanism, you know? at least. Yeah. 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 But it's very it's also like so uh, constricting. Yeah. Which is why this is so cool. If people, you know, especially if that, you know, NDE is really just near death and not actual. Yeah. Um, and you can come back. And just kind of be freed from like, yeah, you know, maybe moments before, mm-hmm. whenever whatever was happening, yep, um, that that was a huge uh, hindrance or constriction in your life, yeah, um, you know, sort of a preoccupation of all your thinking and your feeling, yeah, um, and then all of a sudden that like shame or guilt or whatever word goes along with it is gone, yeah. Then you're, I mean, you've, you've like dealt with it. You've like realized it. Yeah. And you can just kind of be free from it. Yeah. Which is nice. I mean, it's, you know, stop being your own worst critic for like once in your life. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Kind of thing. Um, So, yeah. uh, Thought about that. And then the, uh, the other item I wanted to talk about, and this is maybe a little bit more uh to do with like older um older adults okay 
Um, so not necessarily NDE. Um, but there's a guy named Eric Erickson. Yeah. So you, you've heard of Erickson, perhaps? I've Yeah. I think I remember. Um, have you talked about him on the show? Maybe because a little bit. I feel like I remember picking on the fact that he's got, you know, yeah, Eric, he's named like, Eric Erickson. Yeah, it's like your name would be uh, like Jordan Jordanson. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Which is a cool name, too. Uh, <laughs> Jordanson. Um, yeah, they couldn't think of like any other right, first right. name for him. Or like, we got to come up with something. We got to come up with something. Oh, wait. The key is in his last name. <laughs> it's already there. <laughs> he's our son, and his name is Eric. Um, but he uh, he was kind of one of the first um, students of psychology to look at the whole lifespan, mm-hmm. right, and kind of w- where we fall at different points in our lives. Okay. Um, and so he was one of the first ones to kind of look at um, the older, uh, or like you know when you when you become an older adult. Yeah. Um. And so he had this stage called um, integrity versus despair. Okay. And the the general gist of it is, um, so when you started talking about life review, this yeah. popped into my head okay. because integrity versus despair involves this like retrospective look back on life. Okay. And whether oh, oh, so you're like doing your own life review in your own life in this time, right? Which is yeah. which is an actual like you know psychological practice intervention type of thing. Yeah, um, you know, pretty. I mean, yeah. pretty common, I guess, with um, maybe pa- clients, patients who are yeah. in hospice or yeah, or just I mean, somebody maybe who is uh, lost a loved one that they were with for years or yeah, you know, anyone sort of nearing later stages of life right or even i mean it doesn't i guess it doesn't even have to be i do it all the time <laughs> like, right how did i end up here right. why, why did i do that i mean i, I guess like, it doesn't even thing? have to be like you know even just like the end of a chapter right of something yeah of, of life right um so either feeling satisfied that life was well lived which is the integrity mm-hmm. you know that's that end um or regretting choices and missed opportunities yeah despair yeah um so kind of Parts of the integrity are, you know, uh, looking back on life with a sense of accomplishment, f- fulfillment, acceptance, mm-hmm. wholeness, lack of regret, you know, feeling at peace, yeah. sense of, um, you know, feeling that you have some wisdom mm-hmm. um, and that you can just accept that life was not everything you planned for it to be, because yeah. how could it be? But Overall, it was it was filled with kind of a, a fullness. Yeah. Um, and then obviously despair is like the opposite of those things, like a lot of bitterness, regret, mm-hmm. ruminating over mistakes. Yep. Like kind of what we were just talking about. Yeah. Uh, feeling that life was wasted, unproductive. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not really any importance to yeah. anything you ever did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, right. I mean, so what, what Erickson was was trying to put forward there was like well if people are gonna be doing this life review um they they need to be able to um hopefully find a way to 
to find more of the integrity. Right. Um, even if even if despair is like what's on the surface. Right. Because a lot of us, you know, our own worst critic, we're gonna hang on to the negative crap we did all all of all of our lives. Yeah. And maybe a lot of that is true. But, you know, if can we work to see some of the integrity? Yep. Uh, some of the acceptance, the you know, the yeah. the joys, the fullness. And that I mean this popped into my head. One, because of the life review aspect, but but two, because it seems like the NDE can sort of help bring someone to the integrity uh, oh, right. piece of yeah. of this um, and maybe a, a gift that it could happen before yeah. older age or, you yeah. know, while you still maybe have time to figure out the integrity and, and live more into the the truth of like the good parts of yeah. who you've well who you've been created to be is kind of like the the christiany way to say it but right <laughs> um, yeah but i mean just yeah sort of or you know as as the kids these days say living their best life right <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> yeah right <laughs> right but it's and that that's pretty cool um and i think from the therapeutic standpoint of it what you're doing is inviting the client to you know, to just look th- through a different lens, you know, and, and say, yeah, okay, maybe, yeah, maybe you're in despair and your life, you know, you think it sucked because you didn't get this or that or you didn't do this or that or you made this mistake or that mistake or whatever. Right. But you're inviting the client to say, you know, can you see anything else, though, if you look, just if you, like, really start to look. Yeah. You know, maybe there are some really positive things there. And I, if they didn't talk about it a lot in this in, in this book and the parts that I read, but there were, there was another chapter on people, you know, um, experiencing healing or, or coming back with abilities to invite others into healing in mm-hmm. different ways, um, or even do healing in different ways. Right. Um, and so there's this, there's this idea that in the near death experience, you know, you're, you're perhaps, um, given an opportunity there also, uh, to exp- to go to this place of I'm I'm able to look for the good stuff, right? Yeah. Like I'm able to see and experience the good stuff in a different way. A lot of it was um, a lot of it talked about experiencing the du- you know the dual perspective, right? Where you yeah. not just yourself and your own emotions, but the emotions of those around you. There were only negative examples in the book. But there have to be positive examples, right? Right. Like, what about that time that you know you real you made a huge difference in a person's life, or right. or even just one of their days by something you did that, and they never told you, and you didn't know. Yeah. Right. But you get to relive that moment from their perspective, mm-hmm. and you could be like blown away. Yeah. Like, oh my gosh, that that one little thing that I did, I didn't even think of. So I just mm-hmm. I just said hello, and it was the tone of my voice, you know. Or I asked them how they're doing, and it was a day that they really needed somebody to care. Yeah, you know, or one little thing like that could have turned somebody's whole existence around. Right. You know, and you don't, you don't get to experience that stuff very much in yeah. in life. You know, because a lot of times those moments go go fast. Right. And they go fast, or um, we're all so afraid to, um like be vulnerable yeah that it's like it's really difficult to yeah um 
you know, if we made someone's day, they're not going to just be like, oh, you made my day. Right. Like, right. You know, it doesn't. Yeah. It's like it it's hard often. to say that stuff, too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember my the example of it. I'm very fortunate to have had it. But it was at the summer camp that we worked at. Um, and uh, it was only because of a um, it was only because of a of something that took place years after what had happened. Um, but, uh, the story is there was a camper that was there and this was when the camper was young, younger for camper age. And they happened to be in a canoe with me on a canoe trip one day. And I was just, you know, one of the, one of the adults I don't even think I was leading the trip. I maybe was an assistant or whatever, but you know, this camper was with me in a canoe that day and we went, did this canoe trip like you always do and you come back and that was the day and whatever, you know, just another canoe trip. And uh, several years later, this camper is now in like high school age. And one of the exercises at, at camp that week was to write a letter to somebody telling them, you know, how they had a positive impact on your life. Yeah. And I got a letter from this camper that week, you know, and, and I had no idea right. that years ago I had been a positive impact on that person's life. Right. And I wouldn't have known it even in the time. From my own perspective, it just right. felt like a normal a canoe, canoe trip, trip. You know? yeah, <laughs> like just a Whatever. normal day. Yeah, but it must have been, you know, a place that that camper was at at that time in life. Yeah. Maybe something we talked about, or maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just somebody who was happy to, you know, paddle around a boat with them for the day. <laughs> like I, I don't yeah. even know. It wasn't really even that explicit. It was just, you know, thank you for having made a difference. You know, and right. And so that's a rare example in this life that you get to experience that. Like some, most of those things go without ever being said, you know, or, or ever coming back to you. Um, but in, it seems like maybe in the near death experience during that life review, you can maybe have those too, right? Yeah. Which will remind you like, yeah, there's that time that, you know, there was that time that I punched that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but there was that time that I, you know, I, I was a really good friend or right. whatever it might have been, you know? Yeah. Because I mean, I, I, I tend to have a optimistic view of the human race in general. Yeah. So I also tend to think that the majority of people could could get to this integrity space. Mm-hmm. I don't. Not everybody. I don't think could be a hundred percent. Right. Right. Um, some people are just despairing, and, yeah. <laughs> and I just don't think they could. Um, and you know, some people might have to work really hard if you know they were punched a guy, um, punched a guy out multiple times or whatever that thirty-two times, whatever yeah. he did to other people too. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. I got to experience each blow. Yeah. It was thirty-two of them. Um, you know, he might have to work a little harder for to get to the integrity. But uh, yeah, I I like to think that it could happen for the majority of people. Yeah, yeah. And NDE seems like a really interesting uh, avenue to right finding yourself just yeah. in general i yep. guess well that's really his whole point behind the book you know i mean if we kind of put a ribbon on it like that's he he makes it very explicit in the beginning of the book that he's not writing this just as another research paper you know mm-hmm. essentially in book form of like here let me show you all this evidence what yeah. he's really trying to do is like allow the the NDE experience that people have had and have reported to actually go beyond just them. Right. Like he wants, he, 
I, he probably, even though I've been using gigantic swaths of quotes out of his book, he's probably okay with it because he wants more people to hear these experiences and these stories. Yeah. And he, he wants, you know, he said that, that thing about like 82% of the students that studied NDE stuff with him ended up with a, with a greater belief in the afterlife than they had prior to, you know, yeah. and, and it's not like he's trying to, um, you know, convince him anybody of a, of a particular religious viewpoint or anything. He just wants this experience that he's seen impact the lives of people he studied to impact people without them having to have an NTE, right? Yeah, right. It's like, you can take some of this, like, obviously it's not the same if, if you don't experience it yourself, but you can take a lot of this stuff yeah. into your daily life, right? You know? I mean, I've, today I've just, you know, from reading the, the, finishing up a couple of these things, preparing for this show, you know, I was just driving around, you know, thinking of the world differently than I would have if I weren't sure. reading this book, you know? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, so that's the hope. All right. Did you have anything else, Jay? Uh, I'm good. I think I'm good. <laughs> All good. Yeah. yeah, that was that was a that was a fun topic, a little two parter. Though I'm sure NDEs will yeah. be around again soon. Um, we'll be back next week with uh, part three of Nature Fix stuff. Humans Inside Out is what we've called that um, that series that Jason's taken us through. So it was neat to see some of the common threads. Yeah, that I didn't even. Until I got into the presentation, I didn't really right. make those yeah, connections. I, yeah, you sometimes know? you got to start uh, saying things out loud before. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's true. It's like I, I yeah. didn't know I was gonna make that connection. Yeah, and there it is. Yeah, it was right in front cool. of my face. Very yeah. cool. You know, like the connection to the natural world around us. Of course. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, great. All right. Well, uh, Bush Light was the beer of choice tonight. Yeah. Uh, so try out some Bush Light sometime. Bush. Um, I'd, I'd try the regular bush beer. first if I were you guys. But yeah. yeah, I would. <laughs> I would too. And um, we thank you for being followers of our show. Um, please tell uh, friends about it. Just send them to um, musicofthespherespodcast.com, and from there they can find their listening platform of choice. Um, that's quick quickest way to share it with somebody. And, uh, l- yeah, let people know about our show. Um, we're hoping to uh, be working on getting some... Uh, some advances to the website and some t-shirts here eventually. Uh, so those things are be, are be, are be down the road, but we're going to work on it. Uh, also um, send us an email brothers at music of the spheres podcast.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, hit us up on the social medias, which Jason's going to take some pictures tonight while I'm wrapping up the sode. And uh, I think that's all we have to say, right? Anything I believe else? so. Okay, yeah. great. Thanks. Nailed to- it. Thanks to Dr. Kenneth Ring also for this fantastic book, um, Lessons from the Light. Go find it. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes so you can buy a copy of it and read all the stuff that I didn't yeah. and um, and enjoy uh, a deepening understanding of the near-death experience and what it has to offer. Yeah. Thanks to uh, Jordan Jordanson for <laughs> sharing <laughs> all that info. <laughs> We could do it with our last names, like Whitey Whiteyson. <laughs> that just sounds like underwear. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, it is officially opening day of the hey. Major League Baseball season. Let's go, Blue Jays. Right. Only a quick 162 games before we figure out what's yeah. next. You ask me the miracle question. I got an answer for you. <laughs> Jays in the series, winning it in Game Seven, baby, taking it home. Game Seven, you're gonna yeah, go we're gonna all... take it all the way to Game Seven. I want if they're in the World Series, I want seven games of joy. <laughs> yeah, 
It sounds very painful. No, Seven no, games. I've I've come I've there's only yeah I've I've gotten a lot better about That's that. That's three like games of misery. Three games that they will lose. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, exactly. I hope it's the first three. Oh, <laughs> and then they just four game sweep. Yeah, baby. Uh, All right, I'm getting excited about the Blue Jays now. Um, only what uh, sixteen hours until. They take the field <laughs> no. <laughs> in St. Louis. All right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. So uh, from the deepest parts of our beings, we thank you all for being part of our universe here at the Music of the Spheres podcast. Have a great week. see a gray zebra if it's spinning really fast or running really fast <laughs> it's on a roller coaster what the zebras on a roller coaster at the oh theme park they put their front legs up when they go down the hill <laughs> i believe i told you not to make me laugh like, uh, front hooves i think yeah front hooves. do they have hooves i don't know what do you what do you think i don't know are zebras zebra? hoofed 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 animals they're like, like, yeah they're like basically a